Today on the Get Ranked Movie Podcast, the guys take a look at their favorite movie cameos. Oh, Christ, the dildo's back! Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been when it's right. Actually, it's pronounced Miliwake, which is Algonquin for the good land. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Get Ranked Movie Podcast, the show where we take a topic from pop culture and, and create a, our own personal top tens on it and discuss and have shenanigan-filled discussions. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with me, as always, is... Cody. And as you heard at the little teaser, op- the cold open there, our week, uh, this week's episode is our top ten movie cameos. Um has nothing to do with anything coming out this weekend. It was purely just something we thought would be fun to do. And what I discovered while doing this list, Cody, uh, mine's mostly comedy. Mine is. Um, <laughs> do, 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 do. And actually, All looking comedy. at mine, looking at mine, I think I have I have one that's that's not. Me too. I have I have one that's not. Well, I mean, there's comedy in the movie, but it's not generally a comedy. Mm-hmm. Which, it wasn't too surprising that's how this factored out, because, I mean, generally, you don't get a lot of cameos that are played for, or for at least something that is funny. I mean, to me, a cameo is something that's unexpected, and you're not going to get that a lot, I don't think, in a lot of dramas and stuff like that, because... No, unless it's like bringing back a character. Correct. You don't want to kind of break up the moment if there's something going on in a drama to, oh, look, there goes, you know, Christopher Walken. You know what I mean? Granted, I mean, you could consider his cameo in Pulp Fiction possibly like that, but... Right, and I saw that on a lot of lists I was looking at was his cameo in Pulp Fiction, and he had another cameo that... He was was a couple spots on the lists. Which I get, you know, but it just... I just feel like the the nature of what a cameo is, is built for comedies. It's it's built for the surprise. It's built for the... Really? The reaction. Yeah, exactly. The the comedic reaction of what's he doing in this, or what is she doing in this, you know? Right. But before we get into all that, we've got quite a a loaded uh, episode here, because uh, as we got done recording last Monday... um, uh, did the world decided to bombard us with movie news? <laughs> exactly, and I know I, I put that in. I put that in last week's episode description. Yes, news broke after we recorded. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, uh, so let's let's um, and we have some movie reviews this week. Cody and I both saw some movies. So we'll get to that after the news, but let's start with with the big one. Um, so Spider Man's out of the MCU until Disney buys Sony. <laughs> until Disney buys Sony, which honestly. <laughs> Uh, there's got to be what, what, what's that the what's that law the um the wow. the anti monopoly law yeah what's that called I, I, I know it um uh, I can't remember but you know that that's got to kick in at some point to where Disney cannot buy every movie studio right um, uh, the anti the competition there's like, yeah competition law monopoly law antitrust there's antitrust laws antitrust, there's okay. there's there's every there's a lot of yeah, stuff like stopping that from gotta happening. Kick in at, yeah, that's got to kick in at some point. But I honestly don't think they'll buy Sony. Um, I, I I don't know why this was such a surprise to people. There was always an end date on this. I just think it was surprised that people I think expected, myself included, that they would continue their partnership because you know they make a lot of money for Sony. Yeah, and it was the like I mean I've, even seeing that this was um, a mix of both pe- both companies' fault. But I I've heard the opposite. 
Have you? Okay. I've, I've read quite a few articles that are putting it on Disney. Oh, well, yeah, that's what uh, I... Uh, everyone... Yeah, that, that was what I was really going to culminate at, is that everyone yeah. was blaming Sony at first for pulling away, but really, Disney got selfish. It was Disney. Uh, you know, they, they went forward with... Uh, or Sony came forward and said... Um, why don't we, or no, Marvel came forward and said, how about 50-50 split? And Sony said, no, we'll counter offer with 33, I think I heard. Okay. 30 or 33, and Disney turned it down. And it's like, that's still a chunk of change. And it's like, Which you we make were just talking a, a few, weren't we just talking a few weeks ago that it was, if it didn't hit a billion, then it wasn't going to stay, but it hit a billion and then it was going to stay. And we thought it was set then. We thought they, yeah. were, we thought they had it in the bag and yeah, absolutely. for this to come out and. Um, yeah, I've just, I've heard a few, read a few articles that just kind of, I mean, led me to believe that Marvel was really kind of the one strong arm in here and, and right. Sony were the ones that were like, you know, we were willing to continue this, but we're not going to go for that much money. You know, we don't want to give that much. And, and how about this? Like they were willing to, to compromise, which is what you do in a negotiation, you shoot high and you compromise. And it just seemed like Disney wanted none of that, which is blows mm-hmm. my mind. Um, I, I, I don't know. Go ahead. Oh, I was just, I, I, I've been loving the memes coming out of it. The, <laughs> those, the mouse will do it good. again. The, uh, yeah. How, why, why make billions when you can make millions? The Dr. Evil. Millions, back and yeah. Forth. Which, yeah, which I, I think what Sony's got going for is Tom Holland is still going to be in the news. He's still Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, when, that, that, that was announced. It. Yeah, that was announced. Like the next Spider-Man movie is, is still Tom Holland. It's still the same director. Um, it's just, it won't be tied to the MCU anymore. So but we it won't have Happy Hogan him. anymore. We won't have nope. any of the Avengers. We won't, have, we won't have. Correct. It'll be its own thing with Tom Holland. And I think that's what Sony's got going for it is he's the best part of those movies. And we reviewed mm-hmm. far from home on here. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I enjoyed it. You really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think it was anywhere near as good as homecoming. Uh, and I felt like it was really bogged down by all the Marvel, the MCU stuff. I didn't think it needed it. And so I posted after this happened on Facebook that I'm okay with this, actually. At first, I was like, oh, that sucks. But when I thought about it, I want them to get back to a back-to-basics, standalone, Spider-Man in New York, Spider-Man film. Yeah, because none, know, of, none of the Marvel movies are really standalone anymore. There's always cross, There's always crossover of some sort, which, be it even just granted. like Nick Fury or Yeah, or, or now, granted. This may have some crossover with the, with Venom, you know, or Morbius, the, their Jared Leto movie they're doing, which is connected to Spider-Man. Like, it may have crossover okay. with their universe they're building. But I just feel like... The Far Sony Home, MCU? Yeah, yeah. Where Sony feel... Or, not Sony. Where Far From Home felt so beholden to the MCU's overarching overarching uh, plot line that it just... It, to me, it bogged it down for me, which I don't like. So I, I just wanted to get back to a back to basics, like I said, Spider-Man movie. You know, we still got Tom Holland. You know, uh, you've still got. I, I'm hoping they continue kind of the storyline that, you know, without spoiling it, what happens in the end credit scene. You know, right, I'm yeah, hoping that continues. Like, let's carry that over. Um, now, are, we'll we, are they going to keep all the other like Marissa Tomei's and Daya? As far as I know, yeah, because they're they're Marvel characters. They're Spider-Man characters. Right. I think they would, yes. Um, I don't know. It'll just be interesting over the next couple of years, kind of what comes of it, what, where that all lies. I know they're prepping Venom 2 right now. Well, then the other, the, the, another worry in my mind is they might be able to go and do prequel now. Like before he got involved with Iron Man and the Avengers, 
because remember he just popped up. So I mean, yeah, I I don't know if they'll do that. I actually hope they don't. Because I hope I they don't. don't. Get, yeah, I don't want to get back to. We've seen Uncle Ben die like fifty times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but I I, I don't know. I, one thing I think would be really cool, which I don't know if they'll ever do it. But now you've got Tom Holland in the Sony universe. Give us a live action Spider Verse and put Tobey Maguire in it. Mm-hmm. Bring Tobey Maguire back, you know, like let him be like adult Peter Parker and and bring in a live action Miles Morales. Like give us a live action Spider Verse. Like Spider Verse is like the best Spider Man film. I think Spider Man Two is a little better, but like Spider Verse is fantastic. Spider Verse is a very well done. Yeah, and you that know. introduced me to a lot more Spider Man lore than I ever knew. Oh yeah. You know, so I I don't know. I'll be excited over the next few years to kind of see what what all what what shape the what new happens. one takes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Other news. Uh. So the big thing this weekend was this last weekend was D twenty three. Yes, the Disney the big, fan expo. Big Disney well, expo. The Disney not fan expo, but the Disney yeah premiere like expo. Properties. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Disney's E three. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Which that tells you something about how big Disney is. They've got their own Comic Con basically. Um. So some really cool stuff that come out of that. Uh, I just wanted to bring up quickly because this one's kind of a quick thing. The you know they released the um, I guess they showed some footage from the Black Widow movie and they released the poster and I could just give a damn. I didn't even see that. I could just care less. I just I think it is one of the the dumbest thing Marvel's ever done is give us a Black Widow movie after the character's dead. How stupid. Do you give any crap about what happened in prequel stuff with Black Widow? Who cares? We know where her storyline ends up. Right. And I mean, even like I mentioned it before that I would like to see an origin story. But then you reminded me that during in uh, what was it? Uh, Winter Soldier. We that's basically what we got. We got all of her flashbacks. Yeah. We got her. And that was in Ultron, too. In Age of Ultron. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just like that stuff was good. But if you were going to give me a Black Widow movie, they should have given it to us before she died. Right. So then when she does die, you do feel even worse because you've gotten her backstory a lot more than we'd already had. And I just feel like it's a little it's too little too late. And I could just I could give a damn. Yeah. (laughs) And I also saw a picture speaking of dead characters, WandaVision. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the poster for that. That, that, The the 50s. It reminded me Uh of Fallout. Uh because the Fallout games take yes, place very in much a, does. Now, that, that, that alternate very reality, 50s, the very shelter. 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Um, the big, you know, they have, you know, they released a trailer for Lady and the Tramp, which, you know, whatever. Yeah, I um, care about that one. Did much. you see the trailer for The Mandalorian? I did see the trailer for The Mandalorian. Oh, this finally looks like an adult Star Wars property. Werner Herzog is there. Werner Herzog! <laughs> I know! And Carl Weathers! <laughs> of, yeah, of all it, people... It it didn't show him, but Nick Nolte's in it too, which is awesome. Like I, oh, I didn't know just that. the look of this trailer, like feels a very, like it's an adult star Wars. And I don't mean adult to where like, they're going to be swearing and be violent, but it doesn't look like it's got anything that like would keep a kid's attention. Like it looks like it's geared more towards like adults, you know, like it's, it's, it's a, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it other than just, it doesn't seem like what we get out of like a normal star Wars property. Yeah. And I just think Mandalorian looks fun. Just looks like I said, just more kind of a more adult action show. I, I, I think it looks really cool. Yeah. And I mean, mind you all, of, and then all of these are like the WandaVision, the Mandalorian, the, they're all Disney plus exclusive, right? They're not going to be on yes, TV. Nope. Disney plus, okay. which they did announce their shows will be, they won't be like Netflix all at once. It'll be weekly, which I hate. It's like, I'm paying for your service. Give me it all at once. <laughs> and see, I've, I've, I've I've liked it both ways. Like I watched um the first season of the Grand Tour when it came out on Amazon and they mm-hmm. did one episode a week. 
and uh, I've gotten spoiled. Yeah, I mean, you know. there was wasn't there a Netflix show that did do that where it was one episode every week, or have they the released thing, everything? The only thing I know on Netflix they've done weekly was when they've had like talk shows. So oh, like yeah. Chelsea Handler had a had a show on there, but as far as I know, they haven't had any like series that were weekly. It was all at once. It was all blown but, out at once, and all, people all, watched all the entire show, entire season in two days. Oh God, I do it all the time. I did it with Glow. <laughs> I, have some, I just did it with Glow. <laughs> I have some friends that um, I have one friend. He watched the third season of Stranger Things in like a day and a half, and then like somebody asked See, I, him what he thought of the first two seasons. He said, "I haven't watched them yet." Oh <laughs> he, he started watched, at the third season. It, it took me. I watched season three of Stranger Things. It took me a weekend. I watched it over three days, but that's because we had uh, my niece that weekend over. So, gotcha. So it was kind of like I gotta squeeze it in here and there. See, uh, I, I can never you. actually find the time. <laughs> I can never actually. I can't commit myself to marathon a show. Like I, I'll watch like two or three episodes, two episodes at a time, three tops. Yeah, that's that's usually what I do. Very rarely do I binge a show. Oh my! Any, uh, any, any I have, yeah, my roommates will binge right through something. Um, yeah, I don't I have, have the friends time. Yeah, I don't have. And I, I was dri- um, driving with a coworker. We were going somewhere for lunch the other day, and the perfect, uh, the radio DJ had the perfect analogy. An hour at the gym seems like a lot, but three hours on Netflix is nothing. Oh God, yeah, no, so, absolutely. Honestly, when that's I what I. I walk on the treadmill and I look down and it's been forty-five minutes, but it's felt like four hours, and I sit there and think that was just one episode of Supernatural. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like, and what, what I do is when I go to the gym, on occasion, I will <laughs> sit there. I will put my phone up on the uh, console with Netflix running. I'll sit there and I'll yeah. like minimum one episode on this machine. I've, I've thought about that, but I use my phone to count my steps, so I have to oh, okay. have it in my pocket, you know. But, gotcha. but yeah, I, I could bring my iPad, I guess, and <laughs> finagle it on there. But anyway, back to news. Uh, speaking of Star Wars stuff, Cody, did you watch Star Wars teaser? Yes, I did watch Star Wars teaser. So we get a lot of nostalgia. I, that's what I I appreciated that a lot, seeing and, all the and, clips from the old movies. Yeah, which was great with the score and hearing, you know, the the loot dialogue that we heard mm-hmm. in the first teaser but then you get you know a smattering of new footage all topped off with hearing the emperor talk again you know mm-hmm. your journey is nearing its end and then bam dark side ray i didn't which i did not see coming and no, cool. I, i'm hoping it's not like a, i'm hoping it's not like an ultra spoiler <laughs> no i i can guarantee you at least this, I, I really think this was going to be... It's going to be a vision. I think the Emperor showing her... What her powers can be. Could be. I think it's going to be like, this is what you could be. Or maybe it's almost like when Luke had to go into that tree forest, in, yeah. in, in an empire and see like like the evil side or what he could become. I think it's going to be something like that. I don't think they would full-on spoil... And I don't think they're going to turn her evil. I feel like if they were going to turn Rey to the dark side, it would have been in the last one. So then they'd have this last movie... To turn her back, to bring both of them back. Correct. I, I don't. I don't think they'll they'll do that all in one film. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think. It. Either regardless, it's still badass. That double bladed saber is really cool. Oh yeah. This the what was it that you sent me? The Swiss Army saber. <laughs> the, the, the Swiss Army saber. <laughs> or the, the Sith. Ar- <laughs> sorry, the Sith Army knife. The Sith Army knife. That's right. The Sith Army knife. No, <laughs> I just thought that was really cool. I like um, uh, kill mode C three PO. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is cool. The, the Six funny. million forms of communication and one form of I will kill you. Yep. <laughs> of murder. 
Um, but no, it was really cool. I like that we're still not being shown a lot. I like Abrams does that. I, I like going into these movies. I mean, we're sh it feels like we're being shown a lot, but we're not. No, we're going in essentially blind. Yeah, you know, like we really don't know what the the plot is, which I think is cool. Mm -hmm. So, I I'm I'm excited. What's looking at what is it Christmas Day or is it? No, no, it's usually like around the fifteenth. Okay, so yeah, big big holiday season movie. I'm oh, hoping absolutely. that I mean, with my Regal Unlimited, I get access to the movies. I don't know if I get like pre purchase. Uh, yeah. I I can pre purchase, but I don't know if I get like before the general public. I don't think so. So it'll be one of those going on mm. the day of getting my 50 cent ticket <laughs> um but no i'm very excited i thought very it was cool excited. to show that uh i know they had talked about they'd shown that at d23 so i didn't think we'd get to see it so when i woke up this morning and saw it was online i'm like ooh, ooh, i get to start my day with coffee and star wars <laughs> yeah, i don't think they would keep something like that away like i mean even with like the other the other e or was it e3 or the, well, what was the comic-con comic-con the first Comic -Con. big trays big teaser yes we see the uh there was like mm -hmm. the fan videos, but then Disney officially uploaded or Star Wars officially uploaded it to yeah, their YouTube channel. Which I think it's a lot of time what happens, yeah. Um, and then the other thing, which wasn't from D23, but was dropped yesterday, was the uh, teaser trailer for El Camino. Did you see that? Do you know what El Camino is? Um, is it Gran Torino with the mullet of cars? Nope, it is okay. El Camino. It is called El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Oh yeah, I did yeah. hear about that. The the new yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's Aaron Paul, but not Brian Cranston, as far as we know, right? Well, as far as we know, but I I, I find it I would find and it very Bob hard. Odenkirk, to right? As far as I know, he's in it too. I think they're going to bring a lot of people into it. Um, I would guarantee you Walter White's in it, even if it's a flashback. You don't do a Breaking Bad movie six years after the show ended and not give us some more Walter White like that. That would suck so much if he's not in it at all. Or um, we find out that he's not actually gone i would i'm of two minds about that because <laughs> that ending is so perfect if he really is dead but i would be i wouldn't be upset if he's still alive okay. <laughs> you know what i mean because i love walter white yeah he's he became a bad guy but he redeemed himself at the end like i just love brian cranston so much i'd be fine with that um but the teaser is really cool it's you know you hear the voiceover it's, it's it's skinny pete you don't know it's him but he's talking like the feds and then the camera pans around and it's him you know saying you know why would i do this uh, you know, I saw the cage they kept him in making him cook. Why would I want to help you put Jesse Pinkman back in a cage? And then, bam, El Camino or Breaking Bad. And the big thing about it, comes out in October 11th already. Oh, wow. That is quick. Yeah, it's going to be on Netflix for a few months, and then it will air on AMC at a later date. Okay. Um, so I'm very excited. As we've said before, Breaking Bad is like my favorite TV show. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I cannot wait to see the further adventures of Jesse Pinkman. Right. So, but yeah, any other news you can think of, Cody, or should we get to our reviews? Um, the only other piece of news, a TV, uh, a giant TV comeback that I have been waiting for and excited about for like 15 years. Sunday had the premiere of Good Eats, The Return. <laughs> I love... That's the one with Alton Brown? Alton Brown's cooking show, Good Eats, and it is exactly the same. It's, not, it's still on Food Network. They were talking about doing like a Netflix series, but... Um, the, the first episode premiered, uh, the 25th August. Um, and honest, actually food network uploaded the full episode to YouTube on Thursday. So I watched it then and cool. I was very excited and it was exactly as I remember, it was just as campy and just as awesome as the good eats show always has been. And I was just excited about that. And I figured I'd share that too. Sweet. I've never seen a single episode, but that's cool. <laughs> I will also you say would appreciate. we're talking 
If you, yeah, if I, we're talking uh, TV real quick, I will also drop People Should Watch the Righteous Gemstones on HBO because it's fantastic. I've been wanting to get into that. It, it looks interesting. I mean, any Danny McBride show, sign me up. Eastbound and Down's great. Vice Principals is amazing. So, yeah, no, uh, Righteous Gemstones is fun. Yeah, I've, I, 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 was, I was meaning to look into that and get into that. And then this is something we can just kind of cursory talk about. Uh, they, I literally just saw like an hour ago they announced uh, they're bringing the character of Tommy Doyle back for the new Halloween movie. Yep. He's the little boy from the original Halloween. Uh, it's going to be played by Anthony Michael Hall from Weird Science and Breakfast Club and Vacation. <laughs> so I, I was thinking Dexter. That's that's Michael C. Hall. Michael C. Hall. Yeah. Anthony Michael Hall. He's yeah. He's he's the one from Breakfast Club. I mean, he's done a lot of work right. as he's been become an adult now. But it's another instance of kind of outside the box casting that i think is really good i think he's a good actor i think it's really cool he's in that role so i'm eager to see more of, of what comes of that so yeah. okay so now that all that news is out of the way all the news <laughs> that's fit to print we're going to get some to some movie reviews so i saw a new movie this weekend i saw the movie ready or not uh the new thriller um from disney <laughs> because it's, fox, <laughs> it's 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 fox searchlight so watching this uh violent r-rated film and laughing thinking disney put this out right. um but it's a black comedy 100 percent uh cody you would really like this movie i think um it's not a horror film it. yeah it's not a horror film uh there might be a couple jumps but it's it's a it's a thriller so the, the basic premise, we're not going to do spoilers, but the basic premise is, and this is all from the trailer, this woman marries into this family, and this family is a board game, uh, a gaming family. They, they're famous and rich because they, they made a lot of famous board games and games over like the century, over like 100 years, so like a gaming tycoon family. She marries into this family and finds out that at midnight, on the wedding night, she has to draw a card from a box, and she'll have to play whatever game is listed there. She draws the game hide or seek and basically she is told you have to hide and she well she's not told this right away she's just told you're gonna hide and she says well how long do i hide for and he goes well how about till dawn and what you what you find out is they're going to hunt her for some reason they think they need to kill her by dawn and she needs to hide and i'm like i'm not gonna spoil kind of like why they're doing it or what what what's going on but it's yeah, basically don't because i'm actually I'm, no I'm no I'm, I'm, I'm really not <laughs> no i'm absolutely not going to um but that's all what you get from the trailer is you just know this family's trying to hunt her and kill her for some reason by dawn they have to kill her um and it's just a really good thriller and a really good comedy there's some really good black comedy um the one daughter that's going after her uh, is like drugged out the whole movie, and she accidentally like this is in the trailer. She accidentally kills one of the maids, and they're just like, "Ah, oh, damn it! I liked her," you know, like just really good stuff. And and the the one the son-in-law, they, the, the the dad is passing out weapons for them, and like the one guy gets a rifle, and one girl gets a, a pistol, and he gives a crossbow to the son-in-law, and he goes like, "What? What the?" does this even work <laughs> you know like i mean how do you use the this one thing? where he said look it up on youtube <laughs> and then the very next like a few scenes later he's on the toilet and he's got his phone out and it's a guy going getting to know your crossbow <laughs> like he's <laughs> learning how to use it like it is really fun and it's got some really good set pieces it's violent as hell like it's bloody as hell um but in a way that's like supposed to be like oh my god not necessarily like oh like like you're gonna be grossed out in a few moments but it's it's supposed to be like oh my god like that's outrageous because that's exactly what it is it's it's a full-on fun black comedy thriller um the performances are fantastic uh samara weaving plays the main character and she's really good as like kind of this badass that decides she needs to fight back she needs to survive you know um but i want to point out uh the guy who plays the dad the, the patriarch of the family it's um henry cerny i've loved that actor for years first thing i ever saw him in was in the movie fido 
Okay. He played. Um, you you watched Fido, right? I think so. He plays the guy that moves to the town with his daughter. He's the one that runs Zomcom. Okay. It's that guy, and I've seen him a few things since, and everything he's in, he's fantastic, and he's awesome in this movie. As as the night wears on and everything's starting to unravel, which again you see in the trailer, it's not a spoiler. He gets more and more like like uh, unwound and and kind of falling apart because it's not going the way he's planned or he wants it to because they need to kill her by dawn, you know. And he's just fantastic. <laughs> um, like I, said, I don't want to go too into spoilers. I'm not going to. So there's not really much I want to say. But it's just uh, it's it's a really fun thriller. I, I'm happy to see it did pretty well this weekend. Um, it came in like fifth or sixth, but it made like 10 million. And that was over like a five day. It came out on last Wednesday for some reason. Um, but the budget was low, and word of mouth is really good. It's getting good reviews, really good reviews. So I think it'll it'll do well. And I'm i hoping actually we get more because I think there's some sequel potential to the movie. Okay. Or a prequel, potential even, um, with the family. So, no, I really like it. If I had to grade it, I'd probably give it like an 8 or a 9 out of 10. It's that much fun. Oh, like, wow. uh, it's, it's really fun. The comedy's great. The acting's awesome. Is, is, is spot on. Uh, I'm really, really eager to see what these, these guys that wrote and directed it do next because it's, um, it's, it's really fun. Okay. So, yeah, ready or not. Cody, what'd you see? I saw a scary movie with an uh, with a lot of scary movie or scary stories to tell in the dark. Guess what? So did I. Did you? I did. You said I, you were going, so I went. I didn't know you were going. Yeah, well, I'd surprise you. Okay. Oh, you awesome. You said you were going, so I looked and thought, huh, I've got one at two o'clock. I'm gonna go see it, so that we can both talk about <laughs> it. So Great. I did. I went and saw it, and the minute I got out, I remember thinking, I wonder if Cody made it through this movie. <laughs> So I did. So there were definitely a few moments where I was nervous. And so this the movie I I knew there was going to be jump scares because with a PG-13 horror movie it wasn't as many as I thought there'd be. And some of them were predictable. I I know one I was 100% sure I saw it coming and I knew it and it happened. The timing was a little different than I expected, but it was um definitely expected. But and then I mean as I, which, which we can talk if you want about it. We're not going to go like full spoilers, but like we can talk about some of the set pieces. It's been out for a few weeks, so which one were you thinking? Which one was it? Um, when the jangly man comes out from under the car. Comes out from under the car. Oh, oh, when he's driving. When he's mean? driving, and, uh, and then well, he hits, he sandwiches him. Yeah, when he sandwiches him. Right? Okay. And then when, yeah, I and, figured. I was like, okay, he's he's disassembled himself. He's gonna pop up in front. Exactly, of him. and that's that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there, my my annoyance with this movie, I I would have loved this movie had it not been for the egregious jump scares for the sake of being jump scares. And I think there were that many. There there was a a few that got me, and I mean a, a lot of them were predictable but the time i didn't know when they were going to happen the timing was the timing played with me more than anything on the jump scares which i like i think that's a well done jump scare when there's a jump scare that the timing is off on purpose i like that i thought the jump scares worked because of that where you know you can always tell a jump scare is going to happen when the music and sound will cut out and it'll get quiet right and i like this movie did that but it stayed quiet for longer than you'd think and then the jump scare happened i think that's a, a well done jump scare or one it, it didn't broke happen or it didn't happen. Yeah. See, I thought the jump scares when there were jump scares in this, because I said, I'm going to argue the movie had more suspense and intense moments mm-hmm. than actual jump scares that made it scary. So for those that don't know, this, the story of this one is, um, I don't know, I don't remember how much the trailers actually told, but what the story is, is a lot. <laughs> yeah. This uh, group of kids, um, they go into this haunted house and they find a book that was written by 
um, a young girl of this of this family who was basically Sarah Bellows. Sarah Bellows. She was basically cast away and locked in the basement, and um, they thought she killed kids. And they, they because they thought she killed kids, um, and they uh, locked her away. And she would write the stories, and she would tell the stories through the walls to people that could hear her. And it was the last story they ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the girls takes the book, and then they realize shortly after that the new that there's new stories being written in the book about them about them and the things are happening as the book is writing and it's um and we get to see those set pieces happen basically it's the stories from the original book the scary stories telling the dark book being played out in the movie and they're the stories that are being written which i thought was a cool idea which i have never read the scary stories i was a michigan chillers okay (laughs) see i i grew up on america uh, well those two but I grew up on Goosebumps and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. This book scared the hell out of me growing up. Right. I distinctly remember sitting in bed with a flashlight reading these stories. And the stories were scary, but it was the illustrations that made mm-hmm. them terrifying. And uh, that's one thing that... Steven Schwartz. And yes. what was fantastic about the movie, they look almost identical in the movie. Yeah, and that, that's what I was going to say. Alvin Schwartz. Al- well, Alvin Schwartz wrote the book. Then it was Stephen Gamel then that did the illustrations. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's what it is then. Um, But, yes, the imagery in the movie matched what i've seen of the the sketches mm-hmm. as well and i watched i think so i think what really helped me through this movie is last week before i saw the movie i watched a video that was shared on youtube of a behind the scenes it was an interview with the people that made the costumes for this movie mm-hmm. and it it really said i mean so i knew that it was practical effects it wasn't all cg yes they had cg to like make the uh, grotesque characters talk and move uh or in their really, like, facial the, the, expressions but the costumes themselves were yeah almost... the only one that really seemed cg was the jangly man and honestly it was a guy in a costume and a guy, the guy in the costume then, did a lot of it yeah but then they enhanced it with cg like there are moments right. where he's like running really fast that's not a guy in a costume right but for the most part yeah it's a guy in a costume and then they cgi'd the face but yes. for the but for the bulk of the movie, Harold is is a costume. Mm-hmm. The pale lady, the give me my toe lady, you know that that's all. Corpse. The toeless corpse, whatever you want to call it. Javier Botet, the guy who plays her, um, <laughs> were all practical, which is awesome. Right. And that that is what I, I've always I've always argued. Give me practical over CG because it's scarier. When I know it's actually something in the room with the person, that's scarier than right. oh look at that CG thing coming at someone. And I mean, I I gotta say, I did not recognize anybody except for dean norris no me neither he's the only person i recognize which was cool because i think he's one of the best people in the movie yeah that scene when he's on the phone with her Mm -hmm. when she's in the police station is fantastic yeah um he really shows his chops for acting oh god yeah and i think it's why you hire someone like him because you give a moment like that some weight um uh let's we don't want to talk too long about it because we gotta get to our list but let's kind of go over a few things let's just kind of go what'd you think of um the scarecrow segment um, the Scarecrow segment was really creepy because I grew up with cornfields around my house and mm-hmm. um, it kind of, you know, going, I, I wouldn't go out at night like that, but um, <laughs> sure as I wouldn't be walking through a cornfield at night. No, not walking through a cornfield. Um, but I thought the, the effect, the, the whole, that whole story was mm-hmm. very the outcome was the outcome. very surprising. I did not expect that. And then when that happened, when that transformation actually happened, I remember sitting in the theater thinking, Ooh, this movie's got some stakes. Because they kill people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I will say, uh, this movie definitely is geared for teenagers. 
Yes. This movie is made for, which I love the idea that this movie is made for, like your 10-year-olds to maybe your 17-year-olds. And I love that. It's kind like of going to be a were. great, yes, it's going to be a great gateway horror film. Like, although I would argue there is stuff in this movie that if I saw when I was 10 or 11 would have completely scarred me for life. Oh, yeah. There are moments in this movie that genuinely I'm sitting in the theater at my age, sitting there going, that's horrifying. And that would have scared. All right. So the moment when the one kid gets pulled under the bed mm-hmm. by the, the toeless woman. Yeah. And, and the great image of his nails esca- scraping the ground. And then they look and they, they stop at the wall. That is terrifying. Mm-hmm. They stop at just this oblivion. This is a wall like that. It would have completely messed me up as a kid. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like. And I love they did that for this movie. This movie definitely pushes that PG-13. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, which there's no gore. With. There's, like, very little blood. No. No, there's. I don't think there's really any other than, like, cuts and bruises. There's oh, no the, gore. The, I mean, people yeah, get stabbed uh, with a pitchfork, and it's it's straw. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, the hole in the cheek after the... And the cheek. But you barely see it, because I was looking to see it. When you see the aftermath, and she's sitting there with the water on her, and yeah. her head is turned just enough you can't really see it. Right. It's it, You can see, like, the, the edges of it. The edges of it, exactly. Which I remember thinking, like, lower your head, I want to see it. But yeah. I like they didn't. But no, th- I think this movie, in terms of intensity and scariness, is definitely really high. Oh, like, yeah. I thought this movie was really a good, scary movie. Like, nothing really, like, scared me, but it was definitely suspenseful and intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and for someone like me who was a fan of the books, seeing these stories played out was fantastic. Uh, the pale lady to me, that was my you know, favorite as, one. As as scary as the Harold sequence was, as as intense and suspenseful as the "Give me my toe, lady," and disgusting. I'm not eating stew ever again. <laughs> um, and you know, I hate me. I hate spiders. I hate oh, them. Yeah. And as and as cool as the jangly man was, which is kind of not. It's not in the books. That was kind of one created for the movie, kind of an amalgam of a few different stories. Okay, I didn't know um, that. The pale lady to me was the scariest story in the in the movie because of the of the slow relentlessness of it. And that was the fact that no, that was my favorite one. How how slow she was moving. Correct. And the whole time I'm thinking she's slow. Run past her and dodge her ass. Like <laughs> just jump. There's enough room next to the wall, but no matter what, he'd have rounded a corner and she'd have she'd been, have been there. there. Exactly. And that to me was what was scary about that story is is because. He could. There's nothing he could do. No matter where he went, the pale lady was there, slowly coming towards him. And I thought that was the scariest story because it was slow. And then what she does when she gets to him was was haunting because she's like moaning, like like it's just creepy. It, it's, you know? it's like a nice hug. And it's then... unsettling. Yeah, it's unsettling. <laughs> um, I some negatives real quick. Um, I wish this movie was actually an anthology movie. I wish it was like trick or treat to where uh, you They're saw reading each the stories story. in the book. Exactly. Or you saw each story play out and then maybe there was this small little through line with maybe a few characters. I found myself. It would have been, getting, are you afraid of the dark? Yes. I found myself getting bored uh, in between stories, like to the point where I'd sit there and think, okay, come on, when's the next story going to happen? What's mm-hmm. the next one going to be? Um, the middle stuff in between stuff, you know, the, the overarching story of them, them trying to find out what happened with Sarah Bellows and how to stop it was fine um i think some editing could have trimmed it down and cut the runtime a bit and fixed the pacing a bit i just felt that you know you'd have such a high after one of these really cool set pieces that are the stories because that's there they're just big set pieces five or six of them but then you'd have kind of a lull for 15 20 minutes as they're trying to figure out what's going on and i would kind of sit there in my mind thinking okay what's the where's the next one come on get me to the next one yeah and that that was my thought too is like the overarching story was okay um yeah. the the, like, in, I, I the individual the... stories were fantastic the overarching yeah. story it was it was an okay story i liked the um yeah the whole 
twist. Uh, yeah, see, I, I, was just, I was just gonna say, like, I like the story of of the of the the outside story, the the, mm-hmm. the movie story. Like, I like that having to do with trying to figure out what's going on with Sarah Bellows and how that resolves itself. Like, I love actually the first and last line of the movie: "Stories hurt and stories heal." Like, that's a really cool idea. That's a Del Toro idea. Yeah. But I just felt like they should have trimmed some of it because it just felt like way too long of times in between stories. And I felt like that could have been trimmed. But I like that story itself. Like, I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and I had I had one issue. Um, one Another negative that I can point out is mm-hmm. there was one bit of continuity where I they, it didn't show like any passage of time. But suddenly they're all agreeing to a plan um, that yeah. they didn't really discuss. And it's just, are you, yeah, are you sure it'll work? Yeah. And it's like we didn't even hear them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I, uh, I I also did not realize it was going to be set in 1968. <laughs> I did not either. That was very Makes surprising sense. as well. Which which I it doesn't it doesn't like the only reason it does is because the whole Vietnam stuff really. Yeah. Um, they didn't need to do that. They could have there could have been a different reason for Ramon doing what he's doing. Right. But I mean, it, it's cool. I, I like I like a period piece for horror. They're always fun. Um, I want a few things. One quick thing before we finish this. I loved it. The score was fantastic. Oh, the music. I loved the music as I was um, as I was sitting there. When the music first started, it's like, this is actually really good. Yes. And it's Marco Beltrami. One, yeah. One of the stories I loved in the original books was there's a, there's the rhyme. The, the, you know, don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by because you could be the next to die. And the minute the movie started and the logo started and you literally hear, do, do. Do, 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 do. I was like, I literally had a grin on my face, like, oh <laughs> yes, because I remember thinking, is there, there going to be a way they can work that into the movie, that story or that song somehow? Like, is there an organic way they could do it? Constantly. Make it the theme. <laughs> what a great way, you know, make it the theme of the movie. That yes. was awesome. I thought that was really cool. So no, I, the score is not out yet for some reason. It doesn't come out till Friday, so I, I won't yeah, get just... it till then. But no, the score was great. Um, I love Andre Overdahl, the guy who directed it. He directed a movie called The Autopsy of Jane Doe a couple years ago now that's a scary ass movie you would piss your pants no i'm not gonna watch that one. <laughs> um, i was looking guys, at this other and i didn't recognize I didn't, oh, that's the only other good. one that i really recognized uh, yeah it's good troll it's, hunter yeah. troll hunter was cool um but autopsy of jane doe it's it, you know it's this guy and his son that run a uh, morti- uh, uh, mortuary like a funeral home and um they get this woman brought in that the cops have found they've dug up like a body and they have no reason can't figure out who she is don't know who she is what's going on and throughout the movie as they're working more and more on the autopsy they're finding more and more strange things and i'm not going to spoil the big twist for anyone that wants to see it but shit happens in that movie slowly stuff happens and they're unraveling the mystery like it is scary as hell very few movies scare me anymore because i've seen enough horror films like this movie had some intense moments, but I was never really scared. I think if I was 10 or 11, oh, yeah, I'd be leaving the theaters. Funny enough, uh, there was a dad and his daughter uh, a few rows below me. She was maybe about 11 or 12. I went to the bathroom at one point. When I came back, I noticed she had her feet up on the ch- on her chair and her arms around mm-hmm. her knees. Oh, no. She didn't look like like she wasn't crying or anything, but it was just one of those, like, I want my feet up. Right. Like that. I want that protective, you know, and I, I remember laughing, thinking, like, that's so cool because, like, this is the type of movie I would have eaten up. Like, I love these movies that are... I'm trying to think like the movie Little Monsters, like when I was growing up. Like, it's a kids movie, but there's some creepy shit in that movie. And this is kind of what I feel like with this movie. Like it's a great movie for those young kids, but it's not holding back. Um, right. And I just uh, I think that's fantastic. Now um, I made a mistake after the movie. I stayed until the credits were over. I was the <laughs> only one that stayed till the credits Me were too. over. Me too. And the way so the theater here is set up weird. It's it's in a mall, and then like all of the the actual. Uh, auditoriums are kind of mixed together, so some of them have long hallways between the entrance and the actual mm-hmm. theater. Yeah, yeah, that dark hallway was creepy as hell. 
<laughs> yeah, it was, same, same with the one, the one I, I was, was waiting for. Day, I was waiting long, for the red lights to come on. It's like, well, yeah, it was, a, it was a long walk to that door because I was in the very last theater all the way down the hall, and it's got a long, you know, walk around. But anyway, so scary stories to tell in the dark. Cody, what do you rate it? I would have to give it a seven out of ten. Okay, you know, I think I'm going to go a little higher. I'd probably give it an eight, just because I did have a lot of fun with it. It's not a movie for me in terms of. Uh, like I said, it didn't scare me, but I think it's just such a well done horror film. I really liked it. I mean, for, I mean, for, that, but I, I mean, I had it. a couple, I had a few negatives that brought yeah, it down too. a little bit. So, yep, same here. Like, I, I definitely think if they trimmed that running time a bit, trim some of that stuff in between stories, you'd have a ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm eager to see if they do a sequel because it definitely sure as hell sets one. Oh, up. it does. It definitely. <laughs> I know we're gonna. There's three books worth of stories to tell. Exactly, and and. Uh, so, yeah, scary stories to tell in the dark. People, go see it. I, I am also baffled this movie did not come out in October. Right. I, I When the movie Less opens and it's set on Halloween. Now, granted, the, the bulk of the movie is set in November. <laughs> right. But it, it's such a good Halloween fall movie that it was just weird. I mean, maybe they're doing it you know, for kids before they go back to school. You know, it's some one last thing to do with your friends because it's such a good movie for that type of uh, audience. So, yeah. I don't know. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Go see it, everybody. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, that's right. Moving on to our uh, list for the week. As we said at the top of the episode, this week is our top ten movie cameos. Um, for those of you who don't know how the movie, uh, how the show works, each week Cody and I pick a topic based off of pop culture, movies, television, video games. Last week, kind of an amalgam of everything. Uh, then once we pick that topic, we both go our own separate ways and create our own top ten lists based on that topic. Then we come back here and we discuss our top tens. We talk, we argue, we laugh, we come home happy. What would you say, Cody? You ready? You actually made it through the intro that time. I did. I didn't have a stroke halfway through. I like left last that week. whole thing in last week, by the way. <laughs> did, did you? Yes, I did. <laughs> um, Might as well. It's just like uh, I just could not get through it last week for some no. stupid ass reason. Oh well. Okay. So as we said, top ten movie cameos. I think it is my turn to go first. Okay. Based on the little tally here. So okay, as we said at the beginning, mine are predominantly comedies. Um, I do have a couple of cheats on mine, but they'll make sense when you hear them. Okay. I mean, I'm okay. I, I have. Yeah. I cannot call you out for cheating. <laughs> that's true. I had Superman on my Batman villains list. <laughs> that's that's very true. Um, okay, so my number 10 is Matt Damon from both Thor Ragnarok and Deadpool 2. Um, okay. You've seen Thor Ragnarok, right? I've seen Thor Ragnarok. I have not gotten around to Deadpool 2 Do you yet. remember Matt Damon and Thor Ragnarok? He was the actor that played Loki. That played Loki, yes. yes. Which is such a good moment when you see you know this very... Uh, Thor goes back to Asgard and he knows that Loki's still alive. He's kind of taken over and the guys of Odin and they're putting out a play and the people are watching a, a dramatization of when Loki gave his life in Thor, uh, Thor, the dark world. And when it cuts to the actors and it's Matt Damon as Loki doing this very hammy, you know, over the top, you know, death scene. It, it, I about died laughing in the theater. It's like, that's Matt Damon, you know, um, I loved it. I thought that moment was great. And then for him to also be in Deadpool 2. So in Deadpool 2, you haven't seen it, but when Josh Brolin uh, comes back in time to our time to, to try to kill the, the one character, when uh, before he zaps back. Sarah Connor? It cuts, yeah, it cuts to a scene of these two rednecks sitting oh, on the back yep. of the truck. You, so you've seen it. And one is Alan clip. Tudyk. Yeah, one is Alan Tudyk. And the other which I didn't know until after the movie ended. I looked it up. I was like, who the hell is that? They've got him in this big-ass beer gut. He's got, like, a beard, you know, and a hat, trucker hat, and <laughs> and they're talking. I forgot what they're even talking about, but it's it's really funny. And then Josh Brolin comes up, and Matt Damon says something to him, like, what are you doing? He just knocks him out. 
Like, it's just a quick little cameo. He only steals their truck and leaves. But it was one of those just, like, is Matt Damon just, like, hanging around Marvel? <laughs> you know? Well, I, I did read, like, how... Because this was one of the ones that I saw that I almost put on my list. And I was reading more about this cameo. And it's apparently Matt Damon and Chris Hemsworth are just friends. Okay. And he just called him up. Hey, you want to... For Thor. For Thor. Yeah, he called him yeah. up. You want to just do do something real quick? And yeah, yeah they got him for that. And I don't know how he ended up in for, Deadpool. For Deadpool, it could be because Brad Pitt makes a cameo in that too. Okay. Um, the invisible dude that's on the team, you never see him until the scene where all the X-Force dies and you see the invisible guy hits a power line and you actually see him for a second and it's Brad Pitt. <laughs> literally for like a fraction of a second. He's just being electrocuted and then he goes back to being invisible. Like that's he literally was on set for like an hour, you know. Yeah. Um so it could be maybe that where it was like who can we get? Oh, why don't we get Brad Pitt or let's get Matt Damon, you know, but it's just a fun quick little cameo that half the time you're most of the people like myself when I first saw it, you don't even know it's him, but once you do it's like that's fantastic. I, I like Matt Damon anyway. I think he's got a good sense of humor. So, yeah. Number 10, Matt Damon, the double take from Thor, Ragnarok, and Deadpool 2. Cody, what's your number 10? My number 10. Um, so the movie in my number 10, <clears throat> I don't know if Nick actually got around to seeing it. He probably has. But I actually, when I first when we first came up with this list, I had one cameo from this movie. But I looked up Wikipedia and I had to know. There are 36 cameos in this movie. Hmm. So Muppets Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. Have you yeah, seen it? I have- I didn't you and I go see it? Did we go see it? I know we saw the first one together. Okay, I might have went and seen it with someone else. Okay. But yes, I've seen it. Muppets Most Wanted. Of all of the cameos, again, there's 30-some cameos. That's all that movie became, sadly. That That's really all it was. So my um, number 10 was my favorite one, Usher. Playing an Usher at the wedding. It's mm-hmm. a really quick, and they actually mention that he is Usher mm-hmm. in the movie. I... I could have picked any of them from the... So, I mean, I put on my list Usher et al. So, pretty much all yeah. of the um, cameos from Muppets Most Wanted. Cause, and they're all ridiculous. I know... Um, so, I think the cameos from the first movie were done better. They were. Um, and I <laughs> Like also, the Jack I, Black cameo, you know. And I almost had uh, Jim Parsons. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. List. I almost did, too. Um, that was a good, from the that was first, a good moment. Um, but I think the one that made me laugh the most out of all Usher of them the Usher? was Usher the Usher at the wedding. <laughs> um, there, That's a good one. There's not much more to say because it literally is just a five-second throwaway. Throwaway, as mo- all of the cameos in that movie were. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just and, a sight gag. And that, I mean, that that is, yes, what the whole movie turned into. Um, and it was kind of a disappointing sequel when the first one mm-hmm. was so good. Um for a comeback movie of, you know, what, 30 years since The Muppet Show? When that came out, or 20 years or something? Yeah, oh, if not. Um, if to not to come back, face. and uh, yeah, the first one was fantastic, and but this one, yeah, it was totally a, a, a cameo grab. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that is a fun moment. But yeah, so my number 10 is Usher, as an Usher, at a wedding. From Muppets Most Wanted. <laughs> Muppets Most Wanted. All right, Cody, what's your number 9? So my number 9 is... A bunch of people. I I couldn't pick just one. Um, okay. And from two movies. Okay. Because they do the same gag in two movies. So, stop me if it's a punt. From the Anchorman I, series. I think it already is. Yeah, that's a punt. Okay. All right. So, for those that don't know, what a punt is, is Nick has this item further up on his list, and we will talk about it when we get to it. Um, so... 
with that being said, that was my number nine. He is punting Anchorman. And we'll move on to Nick's number nine. Nick, what's your number nine? Okay, so my number nine is one that I remember being in the theater when this movie came out. And when this moment happened, being like, what? <laughs> it's so funny. Why him? Uh, so my number nine is Chuck Norris from Dodgeball. Okay. Not uh, on my list. Really? Okay. Um, so, you know, at the end of Dodgeball, it's uh, Global Gym versus uh, Average Joes. And it's a big moment where, uh, you know, they have to win to get to keep their, their gym and stuff against Ben Stiller's White Goodman. There's this great moment where, you know, you think Vince Vaughn's going to win. And Ben Stiller comes running up, hits him with a ball, and they win. Ben Stiller's team, the, the villains win. And it's one of those like, what? That sucks. And and so accidentally, or his foot goes over the line, Ben Stiller's. They end up saying double fall, his foot's over the line. So they couldn't test it. And it all comes down to a vote by the council, the dodgeball council, whatever. The board of, yeah. The board of directors, whatever you want to call it. And the first guy they show gives a thumbs up. It's just some random guy. And then it shows a woman, and she's a thumbs down, and it's... You know, oh, it all comes down to the third person. And the first two are nobodies. They're just, they're nobodies. And the camera pans over and it's Chuck Norris. And he does a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that everyone goes crazy. You know, Ben Stiller, that's bull crap. You know, and, you know, the great moment of, you know, uh, thank you, Chuck Norris. And, and Chuck Norris, no, thank you, whatever Vince Vaughn's character's name is. You know, and it's just <laughs> such a good, funny moment. Because it's like, why Chuck Norris? Um, and that would be good enough to make my list alone. But what makes it, over the t- over the edge of even better is how they use it for the very end of the film. So because of that, Vince Vaughn ends up they win. The the good guys win. They beat Ben Stiller's team. And the last shot you see of Ben Stiller before the very end is him running off the court, grabbing a hot dog and just woofing it down. And at the very end of the movie, the last shot is you see Ben Stiller, you see White Goodman sitting on a couch. And it's Ben Stiller in the biggest fat suit you've ever seen. It's got, oh, yeah. you know, big think, old man boobies. Think Fat covered. Bastard from Austin Powers. Oh, God, Fat yeah. Bastard from Austin Powers. Absolutely covered in chips and cookies and candy. And he's just completely let himself Off go. The wagon. And it's just Exactly. And there's just the great moment of him, you know, I won that tournament. And he grabs a chicken leg and he's eating it. And I know we keep our show clean, but, you know, I can't talk about this moment without saying what he says. But, you know, and there's just a long pause and then he just goes, fucking chuck norris bam credits like i remember just rolling in the theater when that moment happened like because it's just is so good that just like chuck norris you know and and this was around the time of like when chuck norris was really kind of the, the, the chuck norris facts were oh yeah were kind of hitting like their their zenith of fantasticness and side story i still love them uh oh, last too. memorial day uh not this year but last year our power went out on memorial day uh and my brother and I had nothing but our cell phones to just kind of dick around with. Um, we were just hanging out. And we literally spent, I kid you not, at least five hours doing nothing but reading and telling each other Chuck Norris jokes. <laughs> it was all day. And that's no joke and no lie. It was all day Chuck Norris jokes. Um, they're still Why great. doesn't that but... surprise me? <laughs> no, it was a great day. It was fantastic, man. Um, but just like I said, it just it was the height of the Chuck Norris uh craze and, mm-hmm. and it was just such a fun moment and like i said it would make my list regardless of the end but the end solidifies it because it's just such a good he's just he's just so damn chuck norris you know <laughs> yeah so yeah my number nine chuck norris from dodgeball chuck norris old chucky norris old chucky norris all right moving down to my number eight uh it's a actor who we've kind of brought up already, but we're going to punt that specific movie for later. Uh, my number eight is Will Ferrell's cameo in the film Wedding Crashers. 
Okay. Cody, have you seen Money Cry? I think so. It's been a long, long time. So the plot of Wedding Crashers is Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn are these two guys who crash weddings. They go to weddings. They, they're so confident about like being so out there that no one thinks twice about who are these guys. They don't act nervous. They go. They drink. They're Act right like up there. The, exactly. They're right up there hanging out with the bride and groom. Like, but no one questions who are these guys. They'll just think, oh, it's you know. So they go. They they do this every weekend. They go. They sleep with women. They're, each week they get drunk. They they eat whatever. Um, and eventually in the movie they crash a wedding and end up getting kind of involved with this family it's christopher walken's the patriarch and almost next she falls in love with this one woman who's one of the bridesmaids and stuff and it's it's a damn good movie uh but at the end they both kind of get dejected about how they did it like what they they kind of screwed up so they go to the person who they learned it from it's this guy they've talked about the whole movie this uh let me see if i can find the character's name but they they talk him up the whole movie about you know oh well, we learned this about you know everything there is to learn about you know crashing weddings from so-and-so, you know, and, and he kind of taught us everything we know. Uh, Chaz, that's right, his name is Chaz. You know, we learned it from Chaz. You know, he's the person that started this, you know. So they go to his house to meet with him, and down the stairs comes Will Ferrell. He's wearing, like, a kimono. You know, he's got nunchucks for some reason. And what sets this cameo apart and makes me love it is, you know, you find out he, you know, you think he's, like, this badass guy. Like, oh, he's, like, this, this got this swagger. He's doing, he's crashing weddings, you know, whatnot. But he still lives at home and, and shouts at his mom the whole time. So, you know, like there's the great moment, you know, that I, I quote all the time where he's sitting there and he's like, you guys hungry? And he shouts, Ma, Ma, the meatloaf, the meatloaf, Ma. You know, he's just shouting at her. And he goes, what is she doing? You know, he's trying to act like a badass. Like he's, he's just such a dork that just thinks he's so important and so cool. You know, I don't, uh, I, you know as you're going, I, have, I don't think I've seen Wedding Crashers, okay. but I do remember you quoting that. Oh God, Mom the Meatloaf is so fantastic, and he's like, what an idiot he says that, and and then you find out that he doesn't crash weddings anymore; he crashes funerals, oh, no. and which is a really horrible moment where they're at the funeral, and you know, Owen Wilson looks over at Chaz Will Ferrell, and he's doing these lewd moves to this woman who's crying on his shoulder, you know, and the woman doesn't realize it, but he's doing it like, yeah, you know, I'm going to sleep with her tonight, and and it's really a good moment that kind of sets Owen Wilson straight because he looks over and sees the wife like uh this older woman actually like bawling it because it's a funeral and he kind of realizes this is really messed up like this guy's not who we thought he was he's kind of a real scumbag so it's a good moment for that but just will ferrell is just he's so damn funny and just purely for ma the meatloaf alone yeah you know because at least i quote it all the time i'll just be shot like you know if i'm talking to my brother like we'll be playing a game online i'll just i'll just shout it <laughs> you know, we'll be just quoting movies and i'll just be like ma, meatloaf. Ma, meatloaf you know so yeah Will Ferrell from uh, Wedding Crashers, my number eight. Cody, what's your number eight? So my number eight is um, Will Ferrell. Mm. He's had a lot of cameos, man. He's had a lot of cameos. cameos. So, um, yes, my number eight is another Will Ferrell, cam- Will Ferrell cameo. It's hard to say. Um, mm. So my uh, number eight is from The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard. Have you seen The Goods, <laughs> I have. I love this one. <laughs> So the story of the goods, it's this failing car dealership that finds out they have to sell like all of their cars by uh, the next weekend. Uh, And they have to, uh, there's like 200 cars. Um, They have to sell them all. So they hire this outside consultant that's like made for, or that that comes in to push those ultra sales that, you know, get cars sold. Um, And throughout the movie that he's like discussing his the tactics that he's used and like his with uh, talks about his old partner and talks about um and, and then you know you don't really find out why his partner is not with him until later in the movie 
Um, he's telling. He never wants to talk about and it. He never, or he, yeah, he never wants to talk about it. But he finally confides in uh, the girl he's interested in that his old partner, um, he was basically responsible for his death because he was too. In, he was too focused on getting laid instead of doing the work, and so it's a flash. It, he, he, it's a flashback to his partner is doing this stunt where he's jumping out of the up a plane with a parachute. It's um, a President's Day, and it's a President's Day. So it cuts to a flashback, and it's Will Ferrell dressed as Abraham Lincoln jumping out of an airplane, and when he goes to pull the parachute, instead of a parachute popping out, it's a bunch of sex toys. Yeah, that that what's he, his face did as a joke, and he he swapped the wrong bag, or he had the yeah. wrong bag. He he grabbed the parachute instead of the bag <laughs> of sex toys to take to his fling, and no, the the whole time. So it's just him falling. It's like a three minute and a really scene. bad green screen effect and a really bad green. Yes, um. So it's basically just him standing, waving his arms with clouds <laughs> behind him, and, and sex, sex toys <laughs> flying around. And I, yeah, I think one of my favorite lines there is, oh, the dildo's back. <laughs> yeah, because he swats a dildo he swats away a dildo. when he first starts falling, yeah. And, and then he's talking, because the whole scene is him, like, what, trying to talk about like, what he should have done with his life and yeah. stuff, right? Yep. Trying to come to terms it and stuff. It kind of reminds and me of the whale falling in Hitchhiker's Guide to the <laughs> exactly. Galaxy. And then as he's saying all this, the dildo, you see a dildo slowly fly back into frame. He, oh, the dildo's back. <laughs> swats it again. <laughs> I love that moment. So, um... This this was a movie that really flew under a lot of people's radar, I think. It, mm. I mean, it's got a star-studded cast. Jeremy Piven, Ving Rhames, James Brolin, David Kochner, Ketchner, however you say Ke- his last name. Kechner, I believe. Kechner. Um, Ed Helms, before he was huge. Uh, yeah, it's a real asshole. Ken Jeong, Alan yeah, Thicke. It's, it's a fun movie. It's a very fun movie, and it's a very, very funny movie. Um, but, yeah, that's that's where I get my, my number eight, is Ed, also Will Ed- Ferrell. Ed Helms before he became famous, Alan Thicke before he became dead. <laughs> oh man! Um, uh, but, he's, yeah, there he's, was he's, he's dead now. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I forgot how many people were in this. Oh yeah, in this movie. That's a fun movie. I, I was never one that Half kind of cast of the, the office is in it. That's true. That's right. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so so my number eight is Will Ferrell as. Abraham Abe Lincoln, Lincoln. <laughs> or whatever his yeah. name was, uh, DJ or TJ, DJ McDermott. That's, that's right, DJ. That's right. Um, so yeah, that's my number eight. Sweet, Cody. What's your number seven? We had a, I had a realization before this show, and as we're talking about Will Ferrell, is Will Ferrell and Pharrell Williams the same person? No, my God. I've never seen him in the same place at the same time. That's true. Anyway, on to my number seven, and I might okay. I, this is where I rearranged my list, and mm-hmm. I just, since I write my list in pen, it's kind of scribbled and squeezed in between. So I'm just going to quickly say my number seven is from the movie Fanboys. So my number seven is William Shatner in Fanboys. Hmm. I don't remember it you at don't all. Remember this at all. So nope. the whole story, the whole premise of the movie Fanboys is... But to be fair, I bought it when it first came out on DVD, finally. Watched it and didn't think it lived up to the hype. So I don't think I've ever watched it again. Okay. So the whole story of this movie is it's this group of friends. And one of their friends is dying of cancer. Um, and one person knows it. And then they're they're trying to... <clears throat> this It's right before uh, Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace comes out. So 
pretty much the premise of their the movie is them trying to see Star Wars Episode One before it comes out, and it's it's an adventure comedy. It's got it's got a bunch of cameos. It has um, Billy D. Williams playing a character named Judge Reinhold. Don't make fun of his nah, name. It has um, Carrie Fisher is a nurse. Uh, Seth Rogen is an ultra fanboy and an ultra Trekkie. Um, but my favorite cameo in this movie is they find out that there is an informant that has maps of the Skywalker Ranch, uh, badges to get past security, um, and just all of this extra information, blueprints of the Skywalker Ranch, everything. And they meet him in a casino, and out of the shadows, with a binder of information, comes William Shatner. Mm-hmm. As, as William right. Shatner. Um, so he... he he throws the the binder at them before he actually comes out of the shadow, and they're like, "How'd you get all this?" And he walks out into the light, and they're all like, "They're both like starstruck," as you know, it's William Shatner. And there's like, "How how do you how'd you get all this?" And he's just Shatner can score anything, and then they're just <laughs> listing. They just start listing off a bunch of stuff. But for it's it's a huge Star Wars movie. Um, they actually like harass a bunch of Trekkies that are in Captain Kirk's birthplace town. Um, mm-hmm. but for the, the, the ultra informant that has all of the information that they need to be William Shatner himself, um, <laughs> was a hilarious little take in that movie. Um, my number seven favorite cameo movie cameo, um, cause he's playing himself. He's, he's William Shatner as William Shatner and he is, yeah, that it's always fun <laughs> when the character, no, it's always really fun when the characters play a fictionalized versions of themselves. Um, yeah, for I sure. know there's I know there's a couple more on my list um, that are like that, and it's just fantastic. So my number seven, William Shatner and fanboys. All right, so moving down to my number seven is the only movie on my list that's not a comedy, but this moment is 100 percent played for laughs. Um, so my number seven is Hugh Jackman from X Men First Class. That was very close to my list. Mm, cool. Um, so X-Men First Class, for those of you who don't know, is a prequel to the X-Men series to where you're finding out how Professor X and Magneto kind of got together to work together and how the X-Men kind of came about. And there's a moment in the movie where uh, they need to recruit people to help them. And so you see them go to a strip club and that's where they meet uh, Angel, I think her name is, or whatever her name is, I don't know, with the wings. Mm-hmm. You see them meet... Uh, Another guy, I forgot. You know, Quicksilver in this. Yeah, Quicksilver. Uh, oh no, well no, Quicksilver. Yeah, that? he is in first. Is that yeah. first? No, that's not. It stays in future past. Okay. Um, but they made a couple, and then there's a moment where you see them walk into a bar in like Mexico, and the camera pans to the bar, and it pans over, and Hugh Jackman's sitting there as Wolverine, smoking a cigar with a glass of whiskey in front of him. And I remember even then in the theater, everyone was like, "Hey, Hugh Jackman! I know he's supposed to be in this, but what caps it all off it to being incredible." is they walk up to him, and before Professor X Magneto can even get a, a word out to ask him, he senses them coming, turns and goes, fuck off, and puts the cigar back in his mouth, and they both just, oh, okay, and they turn and walk That's right it. back out of the bar. <laughs> and then he kind of, Wolverine kind of gives like kind of a quick like look over his shoulder, and then kind of back and orders another round. Like It was just such a perfect cameo to give Wolverine the one F-bomb, because he is, you know, the most, like, intense character he's the one that would be that way and and mm-hmm. that's why logan is such a great movie they finally let him do it full on but it was such a good moment uh and it, it was nice because you know it's always fun seeing wolverine it's always fun seeing hugh jackman's wolverine and 
you know, getting him in that for just that amount was perfect. Like he didn't need to be in the whole movie. You know, they wouldn't bring him back until days of future past after this, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But just that, that little cameo is just perfect Wolverine. I love it. And it makes me laugh every time. Yeah. Again, that was very close to being on my list. I, I think I, yeah, I bumped that off for Muppets. No, I bumped a couple. I (laughs) I have, that was one of my honorable mentions. I do have a a couple honorable mentions. If I remember, if we remember. Yeah, don't. which I literally drew a giant arrow between number two and one last week to do honorable mentions, and I, I still forgot. <laughs> I still didn't. Um, but no, it's just a fun cameo. I really like X Men First Class, and it's just a it's a good movie's not a comedy. It's got some a few moments of levity, but it, this is the one big moment of of levity that is just so perfect because it's just so Wolverine mm-hmm. that he would. So I love that moment. It's fun. My number seven, Hugh Jackman from X Men First Class. Moving down to my number six, back to comedy. (laughs) Uh, My number six is Mike Tyson from The Hangover. Again, close to my list. Honorable mention. Okay, so uh, this one, I'm considering a cameo. I I could definitely see the argument of people saying, no, that's an actual role, a character in the movie, because he plays a big part, but it's a cameo. He plays himself. Um, Yes, he plays himself. It's it's a cameo. Uh, there's definitely going to be one later on my list that I'm going to have to really argue for, which I don't think I should because I, it's still a cameo, I think, but um, it's a big role. Um, mm-hmm. But my number six, Mike Tyson in The Hangover. I remember when you and I went and saw this, the movie had been out, I think maybe like a month. I had no interest in seeing it when it first came out. I just thought it looked like another run-of-the-mill, you know, guys doing bad things in Vegas movie. And as reviews got were really good for it and word of mouth was I should see the hangover it's one of the funniest movies in a long time and I remember texting you saying you know let's go see this it was like a Sunday I think let's go see the hangover and I remember you and I just gut busting laughing oh we were it was constant comedy yeah and that movie ended and we were just rolling still through the credits and I remember thinking that truly is one of the best comedies of all time and I do still think so the sequels eh, um but when they wake up and there's a tiger in the hotel room and they never figure out up to that point, whose tiger is it? Where'd the tiger come from? And when they come back to the hotel room in the middle of the movie and they walk in and you can hear Phil Collins uh, song playing in the air tonight. Yeah. In the air tonight. And they camera pans around. You see a guy sitting at a piano and he turns around. It's Mike Tyson and he's singing along. Like, I remember like Mike Tyson, like it's perfect though, because Mike Tyson is Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you find out it's his tiger and there's the big set piece of, you know, you brought him here. You have to get him back to my house. And it's just such a good moment. I mean, just, you know, yes, when they go to his house, that's funny. You know, when he's showing him the video camera. But but the moment when they first encounter him and he's telling them to sing along and he just sucker punches that Kelvin Atkins. Like, exactly. It's just so damn good. Like, I, I love The Hangover so much. And his cameo is so funny. Yes, it was... I, I it was very close to my list again it was and that that may have been the reason I didn't because it was more than a cameo but I mean, again he's playing himself he's playing a, a fictionalized version of himself for for the laugh for the joke for for it to be Mike Tyson's tiger and and, and I and that's like I said like when I'm talking about cameos like it's a hard term to kind of figure because what do you consider a cameo you know like oh, wait, so I'm gonna have one later that the character's in the whole movie, but the way it's done, it's a cameo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, yes, Mike Tyson definitely is a big plot point where they have to get the tiger back. It's his tiger, but I still consider it a cameo because it's something you didn't. It's a it's someone you didn't expect. 
And I think that's kind of what I kind of key down to as to what makes a cameo. Was it something you didn't expect to be in the movie? Now, whether or not it ends up being a big part of the movie or it's just a quick moment, you know, like Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still think those count as cameos. But, yeah, Mike Tyson is just so funny. You know, they bring him back for the other ones, little, little moments here or there. But nothing will top that first movie when they walk in and he's sitting there singing along. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, my number six, Mike Tyson from The Hangover. Cody, what's your number six? So my number six um, is a little bit of a, he, he's a little bit of a rock legend, I'd say. Um, so my number six is from a movie called Wayne's World. <laughs> Um, so my number six movie cameo is Alice Cooper's cameo in Wayne's World. We're not worthy, Cody. We're not. Yes. Um, they're not worthy. Um, I think, so this is a movie where it's, you know, these two kids started cable access, public access cable TV show in their basement. And they get um, bought into the studio and they're, uh, the guy that's running the show is, basically trying to bribe and distract him and they send him and he sends them to a alice cooper concert and with backstage passes and i I still remember i still laugh at the scene as they're (laughs) going back to the vip access where they're holding their badges up and just showing everybody their badges (laughs) as they walk by and then you know they show the security they're so proud of it they're so proud they're so excited they get to meet alice cooper and then they finally meet him and it's the whole we're not worthy we're not worthy and just i love how smart they make alice cooper out to be which i yes I, I used to listen to alice cooper's radio show and he is a very smart individual he is a very well spoken and he is he 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 does he does really well um but in this movie yeah they they mention milwaukee and i the radio dj here plays it all the time after he plays an alice cooper song is actually it's pronounced milwaukee which is algonquin for the good land mm-hmm. it's just yeah he's this font of knowledge and um he ends up giving him like really inspirational advice and they sit there and talk to him. But uh, no, I mean, yeah, for Alice Cooper, he always comes off as this big hard rocker. He's got like horror, it, horror and death. I mean, in one of his concerts um, that I have, on I've DVD, seen him live. It, it's yeah, it's he kills himself on stage like five times. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and he's and he's almost like the polar opposite in real life. Yeah, he is. Like he, he's, he's, a, he's a he's a full on. He's a golfer. Yes. You know, like he's a full on like like old rich, man. yuppie old man. You know what I mean? Like he's been that way for a long time. He's he's very well spoken. He's never he's not at all what you would expect if you were to just see his stage show. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, this this paints him in a good light as being you know smart and impressive and. Uh, but yeah, so my my number six is the Alice Cooper cameo from Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. So, in the middle of every episode, we like to take a look at what we call our box office draft, where every week we take a look at the movies that are coming out that weekend and take bids on them to try to get them to our team. Uh, last week we bid on Angel Has Fallen and Ready or Not, which I purchased both of them for ten million each. I've made my money back on both of them, but mm-hmm. um. I made double on Angel Has Fallen. I only made a million extra on Ready or Not. A um, couple other that uh, we had previously. We've had very few because we had a week off that a few movies came out um, from the box office draft. Well, Nick was sick. I didn't want to just go and buy all the movies on them because mm-hmm. I'm not that kind of person. But uh, Dora the Explorer, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Nick has both of those and both of them has, have made bank. Um, Nick's almost at $100 million already with just those. Yeah. Um, I have the kitchen, which is already out of theaters, 
and um, the art. Oh, God, I texted you that that last weekend. Yes, that movie was before last weekend. That movie was in twenty seven hundred theaters, and after last weekend, it was down to four hundred, I believe. Yeah. Like it is one of the biggest theater dumps I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and in total, that movie has only made twelve, uh, less than twelve million dollars. Yeah, um, what a bomb! Uh, and then the art of racing in the rain uh, has made a little bit. I mean, it's over twenty million. Um, I didn't pay a lot for that one. Um, but yeah, Dora has made forty three million. Scary Stories has already made fifty million in its uh, what fourth week, third week, third week, I believe. Yeah, this was its third week. So, yeah, both of those, Dora and Scary Stories, are both in their third week. Um, so, to take a look at this movies coming out this week, there are no giant releases this weekend. So, we have no nope. purchases to make this weekend. Nope. Um, there we'll were a couple smaller. Keep our money. There were a couple smaller releases that um, we're not interested in. So, nope. <laughs> so, very, yeah, very quick box office draft with no new purchases this week, folks. But, Cody, how much money do I have? Um, Currently, Nick has $98 million available, and I have $60 million. Sweet, and next week is it. Next week is it, <laughs> and you're going to bid $61 million. <laughs> Damn right I am, because <laughs> it's for sure doubling that. I'll tell you well, that and right we'll, have, we'll have whatever more our, our movies make this week. Correct, so, that's, true. that's um, true. It was unfortunate that we had to skip uh, The Good Boys and Angry Birds 2. Those are both doing fairly well. They're, Good Boys is already up. Um, I thought about it. After the fact, I, we still could have done it. I could have just told you what my bid is. We still you know, could have, but... But I didn't even think of it. Yeah, so, I mean, we got we had a couple movies that we had to skip. Blinded by the Light, I mean, that still hadn't even made $10 million, But, again, that was a really good movie. If you want to hear more, listen to my review last week. That's right. Um, But, so, yeah. That is well, our already. quick and dirty box office draft. So, into our top five. Ladies and gentlemen, what we're talking about this week is our top ten movie cameos. Um actors showing up in movies where they don't belong or you don't expect expect. that's right uh or when you least expect them so uh we just talked about my number five so we'll move down to my number six so nope flip that you said we just talked about my number five let's move down to my number six (laughs) you want to try again (laughs) you take two we just talked about my number six so we're gonna we're gonna jump down to my number five yes use take two um we I've both seen this movie. I am 100% sure. So okay. my number five is from nearly the end <laughs> of the movie Spaceballs. Okay. So my number five is John Hurt in Spaceballs. I thought about it, but then I thought about something else. I, yeah, I figured. So at this point in the movie, it's, you know, they're, they dropped off the princess. They didn't get their money um they just did it for to save the princess at this point and they're eating in a diner and the it's you know the restaurant at the end of the universe but wrong franchise <laughs> um and they're sitting there they order they both order this uh one orders a soup one orders a special and at the end of the table there's a group of people laughing telling jokes it's pretty much the cast of alien or Look or a alike. facsimile of them. Yeah, a facsimile of the uh, lookalikes for the entire cast of Alien and John Hurt. Who is playing his character. Is, his name tag actually says Kane. <laughs> yes, who is actually playing him, his yeah his character from Alien. And, you know, suddenly he's like holding his chest and he's like yelling and screaming and he flops down on the table and 
the chest burster pops out of his chest and exactly like alien exactly like alien it's the puppet and you know he just looks up and it's oh no not again (laughs) and um it's just that they would go that full on on a parody of a movie and and then the alien dances and and then it's yeah michigan j frog Uh uh hello my baby um dances away and check please but for for john hurt to come in and play the same part in a parody movie it's, that's not well, something you see often. Not often, but not surprising if you know that uh, Mel Brooks produced The Elephant Man. Okay. Starring John Hurt, okay. which, you know, got the Oscars and stuff. So Mel Brooks, you know, a lot of people don't realize Mel Brooks actually is a very prolific producer. He's produced a lot of stuff you wouldn't expect. And one of them being The Elephant Man. That was one of his first big movies he produced. So he was friends with John Hurt because of that. Okay. So, so he, it was probably he had nothing the call to into, like, yeah. Yeah, so it was probably nothing to be like, hey, John, why don't you come over and, and do this cameo for me? And it was probably like, oh, I'd love to, you know. So that I always thought that was interesting. That Yeah, yeah. a lot of people don't know. Yeah, The Elephant Man, it's a Brooks film production. Okay, did not know that. And But yeah, yeah to be the same character, the same criteria, <laughs> or the same events happening to him, it was, yeah, a pretty, pretty good good bit. Um, made it to my number five, John Hurt and Spaceballs. All right. Now, Spaceballs, that's a Mel Brooks film, right? Yes, it is. Okay, so my number What's five is Gene Hat. My number five is Gene Hackman from Young Frankenstein. <laughs> That's perfect. Two Mel Brooks films. And two Will Ferrell in the same spot, too. That's right. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Holy shit. But yeah, two Mel Brooks films and number five. So my number five, as I said, is Gene Hackman from Young Frankenstein. It's pronounced Frankenstein. That's true. Now, this is a cameo. A lot of people probably don't even realize is Gene Hackman. Uh, so this is the moment when Frankenstein's monster has, uh, Peter Boyle's Frankenstein monster has escaped from the castle and he comes upon uh, a hermit's house, a blind hermit. And it's, you know, mirrors the actual Frankenstein story where he goes to the hermit's house and whatnot. Well, this hermit is played by Gene Hackman. He's got the, the full on, he's got a full beard, the long hair, you know, he's the blind hermit. And it is truly one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie where, you know, he, he's trying to do good. You know, he, you know I'm going to offer you some soup. And, you know, since he's blind, you know, they play up all the blind stuff. So, you know, he's trying to ladle his soup in the bowl and then pours it in Frankenstein's lap and he screams, mm-hmm. you know, and then they do this cigar, you know, they give you a cigar and instead of lighting the cigar on fire, you know, Gene Hackman lights Frankenstein's thumb on fire. And it's just a long series of just ridiculous stuff, mishaps that happen. And one of my, my favorite moment, which was completely uh, ad-libbed by Gene Hackman on while filming was when Frankenstein finally gets has enough of it and he busts out and runs away roaring and the hermit comes to the door and Gene Hackman goes, wait, where are you going? I was going to make espresso. <laughs> <laughs> Which is completely improv. And it's just such a good joke because, you know, it's set in like, okay, what, the 1700s, 1600s, you know, 18, whatever it's supposed to be set. Um, and, and you know, I'm going to make espresso, you know. <laughs> and yeah, the first time I saw it, I had no clue it was Gene Hackman. I see him now. I didn't know it was Gene Hackman until I was looking up this list or looking uh-huh. up stuff for this oh, list. Oh, really? Really? I, yeah, I really it's Gene didn't. Hackman. I've, it's and been a while. Was... I've only th- I've only seen the movie once or twice. Young Frankenstein? Seriously? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I bumped those numbers up. I those need, are rookie I need, numbers, I need Kelly. to watch them. I need to do a Mel Brooks marathon. Do a Mel Brooks list. Hmm. There you go. Actually. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> Gene Hackman had been in a bunch of stuff by this point. Like, he was in a lot of really big movies. Like, he, was, he was Gene Hackman by this point. Oh, yeah. So he was somehow he was friends with Mel Brooks and then dropped by the set. Hey, why don't you play the hermit? Sure. And Mel Brooks has just, a lot of friends. Yeah. Well, you know, the guy's like been around for how long he's been in show business for how many decades at that point yeah. even. 
Um, but it's just such a good moment, and and it's it, like I said, it's, it's 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 one of those cameos where you might not even know it's a cameo, which I like those types of cameos too, where it's it's you know once you find out, it makes it even more fun and more funny because it's like that's Gene Hackman in a comedy like this, that's great. But it still stands alone as just a great scene on its own, even if you don't know that's Gene Hackman. So my number five is Gene Hackman as the blind hermit from Young Frankenstein. Okay. All right, moving down to my number four is a punt from earlier. My number four is the Anchorman fight cameos. Okay, from one or so, two? Or uh, I, had, I had from the first one specifically, but, I mean, we can do both because, I mean, they're basically the same thing. But they I are. was going more the first because it's the one that truly surprised me. I wasn't surprised that they were doing it in the sequel. Right. So that's why I leaned more towards my number. My 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 mine would be just the first one because when I went and saw the first movie in theaters, I didn't expect that. So you knew Vince Vaughn was in it because you'd seen him earlier. So when he right. shows up with his rival news team, you know that's not surprising. But then okay, here comes oh here comes Luke Wilson. What's he? That's cool. Luke Wilson's a guy that's running <laughs> his own news. It's the head of a news team. That's great. And then you hear, you know, stop. And then here comes Tim Robbins, you know, playing the head of the BBC news team. And it's like, that's great. It's Tim Robbins. And then you hear the whip and you look over and here comes Ben Stiller as the Spanish language news team in a very, you know, ridiculous, you know, almost semi-racist cameo. Right. Um, so I, I went more with the first one because, like I said, when no, it got I, un- to the I understand second, that completely because yes, you knew so it was going to happen in the second. Yes. The minute the other news team popped up, you're thinking, OK, so this is what's going to be. It's going to be just an even bigger version full of cameos, which that movie does have some great cameos. I mean, Liam Neeson, Jim Carrey, Kanye, John C. Riley. Those are all fun. <laughs> I but love that John C. Riley's the ghost. He's the ghost of Stonewall Jackson, which is a fantastic joke because he's he's also the fact that he's he's a soul sucker. <laughs> right. It makes it even funnier. But like that, I just I thought I'm gonna go with the first movie because I didn't expect that. Yeah. You know. No, I get it. It's a much smaller scale. There, you know, there's only like three or four big cameos, but just the fact that I remember seeing the theater being like, this is fantastic. Like what's Ben Stiller doing there? And then just the big fight, you know, Tim Robbins slicing off Luke Wilson's arm, you know, and and uh, the Rick police come a and hand grenade <laughs> with a hand grenade. The police come and Ben Stiller, policia, you know, and running away. Like I, I just couldn't get enough of it. I loved it. It was so funny. Yeah, and no, that that what the one that surprised me the most was Tim Robbins because I really only knew Tim Robbins from Shawshank. I oh yeah, I I knew him from Shawshank and a bunch of stuff, but he was the one that seemed he's the one of these things is not like the other. Exactly, he's not. A, he wasn't a big comedy actor like the rest of them. But not just that, but, you know, Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell had worked together before. You know, Luke, Luke Wilson, Wilson is, Owen Wilson, yeah. they're all in, like, they're all in that same group. The Will all... Ferrell, Stiller. Yeah, that's all that group. Will Ferrell, Jack Black, Ben Stiller. You know, they're all in that. that... I could have done Jack Black. I almost did Jack Black. I almost had <laughs> you know, Jack Black on my list. His is great, too. He punted um, but, Baxter. Yeah, but Tim Robbins was the one that's truly like, Tim Robbins? Like, cool. Like, that's great. It was just fun seeing he had a sense of humor to do something like this. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, I again, I I put both movies on my list because yeah, the big, how just how many there were in the second one. Um, yeah, which the second one just became. That's what it became. Who who can we who can we get? You right. know what I mean? It just became kind of let's 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 make the joke, not necessarily like the first one where it's these news teams fighting each other. That's ridiculous enough. The joke in the second one became who can we tout out next? Will Smith, you know. Right. And then when, you know, Kanye says he's from MTV News, they're all like, what's MTV? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Harrison Ford is, is a, a were hyena. Like, it's just ridiculous. It's so stupid. I like the second Anchorman, like, more than a lot of people do, but it's so stupid. It, it is, really. And then <laughs> Kirsten Dunst Vitru- is the angel Vitruvius. that starts the fight. I am Vitruvius. It's just so stupid. 
Jim Carrey ripping a guy's eye out with a hockey stick. Because he's the Canadian. It's the Canadian news team yeah, with Marion Cotillard. You bad. know, it's just yeah, it's just it's just kind of they got some big people for that second one. You know, Marion Cotillard, an Oscar nominee, Will Smith, Oscar nominee, Harrison Ford. You know, it's just like, it was Oscar, it was fun. Yeah, no, yeah, and it was it was big dumb fun. Oh yeah, the whole movie was big. But dumb But that fun. first one just was so unexpected. I yeah. think that's why like I said I put that one as mine because it was just like this is fantastic. You know, and then when you look at it, it's like yeah, it's only five news teams fighting each other. Yep. You know, but it's just such a fun moment. That I don't know. I love that movie. Anchorman is so good. Yeah, it was a very good movie and very, very good cameos. Very unexpected with, yeah, especially Tim Robbins, as you've said, <laughs> as we've said multiple times. Exactly. Cody, what's your number four? So my number four, um, <laughs> I, I, this, I'm, I feel like I'm close to punt territory, even though we're in our top four. Um, mm-hmm. so my number four is from the movie Twenty One Jump Street. Not a punt. Are you fans on who it is? So my number four is Johnny Depp in Twenty One Jump Street. Okay, it's my number three. We can talk okay. about it. So you know, Twenty One Jump Street, the story of the the cops going back to school to find who out who's I don't even remember the plot of the first Twenty One Jump Street movie. Drugs. Drugs. Okay, they're trying to find out who's who's dealing the drugs, and um, at the very end of the movie, they're like in this standoff with a biker gang, right? Or yes, the, yeah, the biker gang, the bikers, and one of them pulls off their fake beard and is pretty much yelling at them for ruining the undercover mission. Um, and it's Johnny Depp reprising his role from the TV show, 21 jump street. I didn't expect it. One, I didn't watch the old 21 jump street. I knew a little bit about it. Um, and I knew Johnny Depp was in it. And I, when I recognized, as soon as I recognized him, yeah, it was what made him Johnny Depp. And, as soon as I recognized my yeah, I in the theater, even for not knowing it, it's like, hey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a quick and dirty cameo. Cause, and then he gets shot immediately. <laughs> gets shot in the neck, which is, which, you know, is, is such a fun joke that, you know, hey, Johnny Depp. And, you know, he, he's talking with them. He's like, oh, you're from Trump Street. I'm from Trump Street. And bam, shot in the neck. And then he just gets such a fun death scene where he's, he's talking to his other partner, which he too was from 21 Jump Street. It's, that's right. Dom DeLuise's son. Um, where he's just like, you know, you're my friend. You know, as he's bleeding out, like, mm-hmm. uh, it was just so much fun. And what's fun if you rewatch that movie when you see the biker gang early in the movie, he's there too. Yeah, you know it. You know, they actually, if you watch it, they focus on him a couple times to where you watch it now and you go, oh, well, of course that's going to end up being something because why would they just focus on that one? Right. Um, but it is such a fun moment. I had heard rumors that Johnny Depp might be in it when I went and saw it. Okay. But there was nothing confirmed. So when he walked over, the minute he started talking, I went, that's Johnny Depp. That's, that's got to be him. Because he said something like, you boys are stupid. And I was like, that's Jack Sparrow. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just yeah, know Johnny I, Depp's I voice enough. I was, like, that's, I was like, if that's not him, yeah, like, if that's not him, I'll be really surprised. And then the next second, yeah, he pulls off the fake nose and the beard. And I'm like, that's right. You know, but it was just, it was fun because, you know, he's, he's swearing. He's, you know, covered in tattoos. Like, it was just. Uh, uh, because it, it just, 21 Jump Street was a family-friendly, what, CBS TV show back in the. I don't know the... if it was family friendly it was more geared for like teenagers okay but still and, and, wasn't and, and, r-rated no no god no no <laughs> but it was just fun seeing him play that type of part and seeing johnny depp's always been good about kind of joking and stuff but he doesn't really do a lot of comedies like that so it was kind of fun seeing him kind of let loose and and show that he does have a sense of humor and had a sense of humor about where he came from he could have said no i don't even want to be associated with 21 jump street i've moved on from that but the fact that they were doing this and he was like oh yeah sure i'll do it that'll be fun and, and reprised be, his role yeah, he'd to be, kill he'd him be off kind of a jerk to not because he's he's yeah. got to know that's what that's where he got his start 
Oh, absolutely. That and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. introducing Johnny Depp. He got sucked into the bed. Okay. Yeah, I remember that now. But yeah, it's just it's a fun cameo. It's unexpected, and it's just uh, it's it, he's really funny in that moment. Yeah. For, <laughs> Especially the death, the death scene. Yeah, for what little bit he's mm-hmm. revealed in it. Um, but yeah, I I should rewatch that and see if I can actually recognize him. Yeah, yeah, it, it's the, it's the scene earlier in the movies is the scene where they really focus on him when they first confront the biker gang out at the park. Okay. They do a moment where they show him, and he's really you know like they like he's he actually has a line I think. Um, he says something like, "If those boys are are police, then I'm the DEA or something like that." And you can oh, okay. kind of really listen. It's Johnny Depp for sure. And then actually, right before he reveals himself, they focus on him too, where he's mm-hmm. kind of watching them when they're in that room, and it's like, okay, why are they focus on him? You know, just so for the gag. That's right for the bit. All right, so my number four was Johnny Depp from Twenty One Jump Street. All right. So that means we're moving down to my number three. So my number three was not that it was an unexpected, um, more in that how much they fictionalized the character, which I've actually seen a couple cameos that, or a couple, you know, I guess guess cameos, where they've really taken this guy out of what you're used to as element. So my number three is from Happy Gilmore. (laughs) <laughs> my number three is bob barker i didn't even think of this one that's a good one so again i've seen a couple uh guest spots that he's done where they really take his character out of you know ang- into angry bob barker so um with this one it's a i it's been so long since i've seen this movie that i but i had to have this on my list when i when mm-hmm. we came up this is one of the ones i wrote down right away um <clears throat> so it's like a charity golf celebrity charity golf event and it's you know billy madison is the golfer nope, and then happy gilmore or happy gilmore is the golfer <laughs> it, same character same it's the same character. for the most part um happy gilmore is the golfer and bob barker is the celebrity and like happy gilmore is so like distracting and uh just annoying bob Bar- and then they end up getting into this huge fight and i the the best probably one of the best lines in that movie um that I quoted a lot. First line I quote a lot is just eh, jackass. <laughs> um, but then the other one is, you know, Bob Barker's famous. The price is wrong, bitch. And and what makes that funny is not necessarily the line. It's how he delivers it. He says the price is wrong. And then he starts to walk away and then turns back, bitch. And then just keeps walking. <laughs> exactly. Like it's an afterthought, you know, where it's the price is wrong, bitch. You know, like it's yeah. so good. But I mean, this is not the first time I, well, it, this was probably the first time I saw like angry Bob Barker. Um, mm-hmm. The other one um, was in Futurama. They're like deliver. He's the host of this beauty pageant, and yeah, Bob Bar- They yell at he yells at the crew for losing the tiara, and it's like you're garbage, human garbage. And I think that was always why it was fun to do that because Bob Barker was just so so known as like America's dad, right? You, was, know, you know, like the this price mild is right, the mild manner, yeah. yeah. You Spay know. and neuter your oh. pets, and it, it was fun to see him kind of let loose and and get to beat the hell out of Adam Sandler. Exactly. Um, and they even did a, a reunion. Did you ever check that out? That oh, no. About five or six years ago, Bob Barker was in the hospital, or, or they did a joke where he's in the hospital and forgot what it was for. It might have been for Red Nose Day, and Adam Sandler comes to visit him, and they get in a fight. I I remember that now. Yep. Vaguely. Um, but no, I I I I'm mad I didn't have this on my list, but I don't know where I would. 
fit. I don't know if I have anything I'd knock off, but it is a really fun moment. I, I Happy Gilmore is one of my favorite movies. I grew up watching that almost like every week. I'd probably pop that movie, and that or Billy Madison were on rotation in my house growing up. Right. Um, and that Bob Barker moment truly, for me, is because of that line and the way, it, like I said, the way he says it, turns, turns back, bitch, and then keeps going. <laughs> Just gets me every time. Exactly. Yeah. So. No, yeah, so my number three is, you know, Bob Barker's cameo from not Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. Nope. Happy Gilmore. <laughs> Mr. Which, Deeds. You know, what's funny is growing up, uh, Billy Madison, I liked that more over Happy Gilmore. Um, but as I've gotten older and I've grown to be a person, I love golf, I watch golf, I play it, I, I, I love Happy Gilmore much more now. <laughs> Have you ever taken the Happy Gilmore swing at the golf course? We tried. <laughs> it did not go well, I'll tell you that. Yeah, when we went... Uh, uh, go back in like probably May or April, right when we first started playing again for the year, and and uh, my brother was my brother and one of his friends, and his friend was like, "Hey, should I hit this like Happy Gilmore?" I was like, "Go ahead, try it, buddy." Well, you know, it's much harder than it looks because it's already hard to keep your eye on the ball when you're hitting the ball normal. Right. To <laughs> run you, up and swing, but you run up and swing. Yeah, no, it doesn't go well. I think he sliced it right to the left, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll try it," and I I didn't even hit it. <laughs> so and then your yeah. brother is smarter than all of you and didn't try it. Did not try, no, but we mulliganed that hole no matter what, so it don't matter. <laughs> All right, so my number three uh, was Johnny Depp from 21 Jump Street. We've already talked about that for Cody's number four. So moving down to my number two. Uh, my number two is a cameo that I remember being in the theater, and uh, when this moment came up... I'm going to say right now, if our two and one aren't the same, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> I'm sure you and I might have this one, but we'll see. When this moment started... And, uh, ah, hell, it's Bill Murray from Zombieland. My number two as well. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> in the theater, when they roll up to the house and you see, uh, the gates and it's BM, I remember thinking, BM, what's, who's that gonna be? Whose house is that? Cause you know they're in Hollywood, they've got mm-hmm. the map to the stars. They mentioned they've got a map to the stars' houses. It's like, BM, who is that? And then the very first shot inside the house, you see a picture on the wall and it's, it's Bill Murray. I'm like, oh my god, yes. And it, it, it truly is one of my favorite. Cam- it's my number two of all time. The Bill Murray cameo in Zombieland is one of the most genius things of all time. Uh, so those of you who don't know Zombieland's movie where there's a zombie apocalypse and Jesse Eisenberg plays a kid who's trying to get home to see if his family's still alive. And he hitches a ride with Woody Harrelson and ends up with Emma Stone and Am- uh, Abigail, Breslin. Abigail Breslin. And they end up on a road trip. Yes, it's a road trip movie. It and is. they go, they ended, up, they ended up in Hollywood or whatever, California, wherever, and they come across a house they're going to stay in. It's Bill Murray's house. And the joke being, Bill Murray is still alive in the house. He dresses like a zombie in order to go out and do stuff. Like he has one of the best lines in the movie where he goes, Oh, yeah, no, I went out and played, I went and played nine, nine holes out on, you know, whatever golf course, you know, yeah, it was great. I just walked on, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no lines. It's yeah. great, man. And, and, uh, he, and they 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 recreate Ghostbusters with him and Bill Murray uh, or him him and Woody Harrelson I mean uh, and Emma Stone acting like the uh, secretary Elaine and it's just such a fun moment all cast Abigail off. Breslin not knowing who the heck he is who Bill Murray is and and but the one of the better lines yeah when she says that and Woody Harrelson goes now you know I've never hit a kid <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and then, you know, it's all capped off with a wonderful moment where Jesse Eisenberg at this, the whole scene does not know Bill Murray is still alive. The only people that do are uh, Emma Stone and Woody Harrelson because they're the only two that were in the room when he'd come up to him. And so Woody Harrelson, they decide, okay, well, let's have Bill Murray act like a zombie and try to scare Jesse Eisenberg and Abigail Breslin. And he walks into the room as a zombie and because Jesse Eisenberg does not know he's a zombie, turns, 
And in a quick cut, it cuts to him, and boom, he shoots Bill Murray in the chest with a shotgun <laughs> and kills him. With one, you know, and as he's dying, you know, you have any regrets? Garfield, maybe. <laughs> and then he has his, his long protracted death scene. And it is just such a good, yeah, such a good cameo. And um, it makes it even funnier for me knowing that, like, Bill Murray and Woody Harrelson were both in Kingpin. So, like, they've worked together before, like, they're friends. You know, that might be how it came about. Um, and rumor has it he's back for the sequel somehow. As an actual zombie? <laughs> I don't know. And Jad Aykroyd's in it, too. So oh. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm curious to see how that shakes I'm, out. Maybe. I'm excited for Zombieland Double oh, Tap. Oh, yeah. Double Tap. Maybe he's not dead. Maybe they. Maybe he didn't die, but I think they I toss think his body they, over. Yeah, they wrap him up in a rug and throw him over the balcony. I mean, he still could be alive. We don't know, but uh, I will be curious to see what happens. But Cody, Zombieland. Um, yeah, I mean, you touched on... Um, pretty much everything the the, the prolonged death the <laughs> scaring jesse eisenberg um the whole every every bit of the whole thing like in bill murray's mansion even like after he died when woody harrelson's wiping his tears with the money that he that was in the house <laughs> with the money <laughs> um but no yeah just bill effing murray Mm-hmm. And I love the moment when he first comes in and they hit him with the, the golf club and he screams and they go, wait a minute, you're, you're alive and you're alive. And he goes, the, he- or, the hell I am or, or you're, you know, whatever. You're OK. She goes, oh, you're OK. The hell I am. Like, Bill Murray is so good. Yeah. And, and I mean, he milks it and he, he does great. Um, he, he is a very good personification of himself. But like, yeah, oh, God. As, as you've told, I think you've told me that he doesn't like to do that. Oh, no, he doesn't mind it. Okay. He's just hard to get all. He's just hard to, to to work with in terms of he doesn't a lot of times commit to doing roles. Like if he shows up, he shows up. Oh, okay. Um, he's hard to get a hold of. He doesn't have an agent. You have to call one eight hundred number and leave him your pitch. And if he's interested, he'll call you back. You know, oh. he's just he, he's like that. Um, okay. But interest, interestingly enough, it was supposed to be Sylvester Stallone or oh, Bruce Willis, if I remember correctly, and both of them turned it down. And it was Woody Harrelson who said, well, why don't I call Bill Murray and see if he'll do it? Sure. And that's how that came about. Okay. Yeah, it was supposed to be, I think, Bruce Willis or Stallone, one of those types of action guys, you know, and they both turned it down, which was stupid, because it's one of the best parts of the entire movie. Right. I don't know if it would have the same... I don't know if it would have the same... Uh, Stallone... Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, I don't think would have. I, I was going to say Bruce Willis, maybe more. I don't think so because Bruce Willis is known for being a real asshole. Like okay. it's known in the world that Bruce Willis is one of the worst people to work with. He's a he's just a complete jerk. So he might have been able to have a sense of humor about himself, but I feel like Stallone would have been fun because you wouldn't expect it. Okay. You know, it kind of would have been almost like like a Mike Tyson moment where you're like, Oh, that's funny. He's got a good sense of humor about himself. Or like you said with, uh, like Alice Cooper or you know, whatever, like yeah. it would have been fun to see Stallone do something like this, but they both turned it down. So we got the better cameo, which is Bill Murray. All right. Tell what's your number two. So my number two was Bill Murray from Zombieland. That's right. So onto my number one, my number one, I couldn't pick one movie. So for my number one, I have picked Stanley. Hmm. It never crossed my mind. Every Marvel movie that he was in. Do you have a favorite? I I don't know. I, I mean, I, that doesn't have to be your one, but it if doesn't you had have to pick to, one. If, what, if what I one? had to pick one, I think I would pick the one. I think it was from X2 when he's just watering his garden. And that's third one, I think. Is that X3? Yeah. X, X-Men 3. I, I think that's probably one of my favorite. Where he's just sitting there. He doesn't have a line or anything. He's just sitting there watering his garden, and then the the hose, water from the hose just starts floating up. Um, mm-hmm. I loved his cameo in Thor 
uh, the first one where he's uh, pulling <laughs> he stand the, the man. He's stand the man. He's pulling it with the truck. I love um, when he's walking out of the the bar in I think Age of Ultron after he drank Excelsior. the after he drank the 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 beer of the gods or whatever it uh-huh. was. It's just Excelsior. <laughs> um, but I like Tony Stank. Tony Stank. Uh, he you know as Hugh Hefner in the first Iron Man. Yeah. He all of his cameos have been perfect completely unexpected where they're actually going to happen um and you you i mean through once they started doing it you knew it was going to be you knew it was going to happen but you just never knew where or when or how or mm-hmm. and then how ridiculous they would make it even um and i i actually saw a picture this week that um his cameo in Captain Marvel where it's the 70s and they use the the Disney Marvel young technology to make him young. The outfit that he's wearing is actually the same outfit from an old picture of him in the 70s. He's wearing the same outfit that he had. They that, made him look young or, did he, or was that in was that in Endgame when he's driving he's the hippie in the car. Oh, and I don't remember him being I was I don't remember him being young. He's on the right, bus right, right. just reading yeah. the Mallrats script, right? And yeah, Captain he, Yeah, that's right. He was reading Mallrats. In it, it is Endgame. Yeah, when they're back in time. And okay. it's the 70s and he's yeah in the car and he's wearing the same outfit that he's had a picture of him from the 70s really? in that outfit. Yeah, it showed a side by side and it's it's perfect. Um, So, yeah, hmm. my I I could I mean, there's this man has done cameos in tons of movies. I mean, even Big Hero 6, the animated an animated Marvel movie. He's yeah. the, he's Fred's dad. And at the very end, he's it's the the line about. You know, wearing the underwear inside out, right side up, backwards, forwards, every, and that they got Stan Lee to do that line. Baff, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, it's, I mean, they they get this man to say whatever they need him to say, and it's always, and he has a good sense of humor. Um, it's unfortunate that he's passed, and um, unfortunate even, the turmoil yeah, that it's but caused. Even as is, far back, yeah. Um, but even as far back in and before the MCU, like these people, a lot of people don't realize they, that Stan Lee's been cameoing in movies since the first Spider-Man. Oh yeah, he was. He's he's the guy pulling girl out of the way. <laughs> wasn't, or no, he wasn't. He wasn't no, a great. No, that was Uncle he, Ben. In, still. in the first Spider-Man, all he does is he pulls a girl out of the way when Green That's Goblin's right. attacking the parade. The second one, he pulls a guy out of the way again from a rock when Doc Ock's is attacking the bank. It's the third one. He actually gets a line when he walks up and looks at peter and says i guess some people can make a difference okay enough enough said and then walks away like i remember our audience that was the first time our audience actually well, i remember seeing that opening night or like midnight for spider-man 3 and our audience cheered when he came on screen it was the first time i remember thinking like okay stan lee that's someone big like i know the name now you know it's kind of cool people are cheering but it wasn't until yeah that people don't really people didn't really know stan lee until like the marvel the mcu films when he actually like started becoming like big cameos more than just guy holding hose or you know in the x-men movies and stuff like that which was still cool right and but they he became like the event thing of where is stan lee gonna be right he turned into the where's waldo of marvel yeah and yeah even outside of the mcu movies he had a cameo yeah big hero six did he have one in spider-verse i can't quite remember he has multiple in spider-verse multiple in spider okay he's the guy that owns the gift shop yep you know returns no returns and he also he's in like three or four different shots in that movie okay um so yeah, he's in the Spider-Man game that came out last year. Oh, is he really? Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he plays a cook. He has one line. He says something. Like, oh, I always love to see you two back together. And that cuts to him and he smiles and that cuts away. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those moments. I think I live streamed it. And you were, weren't you watching? I don't I think I was watching that. I think I literally out loud went, oh, oh, oh. 
<laughs> I must have missed that episode. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. no, yeah. So I mean, so my my number one movie cameo is every cameo that Stanley has had in every Marvel movie, and I mean, I even laugh at. I mean, as much as I, as much as it went downhill in my opinion, even his cameo in the Big Bang Theory as himself. Yeah. Um. Why don't you just come in and eat dinner and watch the game with me? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So my my number one movie cameo is Stanley. I just as a human I, being. I'm kind of not necessarily angry at myself, but I I'm just shocked that I never once crossed my mind to put Stanley on my <laughs> list. I guess it just he I was don't know. in your top ten Marvel heroes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I just it never crossed my mind. Stanley's cameos in Marvel. I don't know. It definitely would. Matt Damon, you're gone. It's Stanley. <laughs> That's really probably what I would do. I would knock Matt Damon off and pop Stan Lee up there. But anyway, so my number one is the one I said I was going to have to not necessarily argue because I think my point of why he's on here definitely is a cameo um, because he's a he's a main not, he, I don't necessarily say he's a main character, but he's in this movie a lot. But I put it as a cameo because there I know there are people I know personally who watched this entire movie and didn't realize it was this person. Um. I knew it because I remember going in. This was big news. This guy's in this. That's so cool. Um, but I know there's a lot of people that never realized it till the credits. So I put it on my list as a cameo. It's my number one because I think it's the best. My number one is Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. Oh, God. <laughs> which is a cameo. Um, yes, he's a main character. He's, 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 he plays Les Grossman, the guy who runs the studio, who's, who's a real hard ass. He's Harvey Weinstein. That's what he is. He's a parody of Harvey Weinstein. This really horrible, you know, foul mouth movie executive who doesn't want to pay to get the, the actors back out of the, the jungle. And, and, you know, like I said, he's in it quite a bit, but I just, to me, this is the epitome of a cameo because like I said, I know specifically, I remember my uncle, when he watched this, he, he came over and we, he watched it when it first came out back in like 2007 or 2008. And I remember he did not know it was Tom Cruise until the credits rolled and it said, and Tom Cruise is Les Grossman. And he about lost his mind <laughs> because he never, he didn't not ever, he just didn't think it was Tom Cruise. He never crossed his mind. He just thought it was just some guy. Because, you know, they've got him buried in, you know, he's got the fat suit, he's got the fat hands, the big makeup, he's got, like, Tom Cruise, I remember seeing an interview where he said, he told Ben Stiller, I want to dance, my only stipulation is if I take this role, I want to dance, and I want to have fat hands. Which is a, is a, that's a, dis, that, that's a thesis right there. <laughs> <laughs> for a, for, for a, for a, a dissertation in college. Why Tom Cruise wanted fat hands? But he's got the fat hands, he's got the bald head, the fat suit, you know, the, the, the beard almost, and... It's just, to me, it's the epitome of a cameo. They're burying this guy in makeup, so you might not... So they're trying to hope you don't know it's him. But for those like me who did, makes it all the more fun because you're realizing this is Tom Cruise like we've never seen him before. Yeah, and I, I've seen the movie. He gets to be the I, most foul-mouthed, horrible human being. I'm looking at the, the just the pictures of Les Grossman, and I can see how people would <laughs> not see... I, can def, I definitely see Tom Cruise oh, in the eyes. once you know it's him, it's Tom Cruise. Oh, for sure. But if you had no clue, like not even an inkling that that might be somebody you should know, I don't think you would. Like I said, it, my uncle did not know. It looks more like a love child between Tom Cruise and Paul Giamatti. Absolutely. He's very hairy. <laughs> um, but I remember just dying in the theater. Every just foul mouth, horrible thing Tom Cruise said in that movie. And like I said, it was so much fun seeing him be that type of character. You didn't get to see Tom Cruise be like that. Tom Cruise is always like the everyday all-American hero guy. You know, Top Gun and 
you know, Rain Man and, and Mission Impossible, where he's just like the, the straight-edged American hero. So to see him get to just let loose and do something we've never seen him do before, which was play this type of character, who at the end of the movie, for the entire end credits, is dancing <laughs> filthily to a rap song, was just incredible. And that that was his idea makes it even better. <laughs> Why Tom Cruise? <laughs> it's so good. They even talked for years about doing a movie of Les Grossman. A Tom Cruise starring Les Grossman movie. And just, it never happened. But every year wow. or two, like five years after the movie came out, you heard talk of, oh yeah, it's scripts being written, there's going to be a Les Grossman movie. And I wish there would have been, because that would have been fantastic. So, like I said, I know people might say, oh, well, that's not a cameo. That's an actual a movie. That's a role. I don't care. <laughs> the whole point they buried him in makeup was so you would not know that's Tom Cruise. Yeah. So that's a cameo. Yep, I I'll I'll, I'll agree with that one. You know I, what I mean? I won't like, fight that one. You yeah, can, you can like, fight the comment section on Facebook. Yeah, and I don't even think there will be arguments about it because it, it's a cameo. A cameo is something unexpected. I did you people did not know Tom Cruise was supposed to be in that movie. Right. You know, like that's the point of a cameo. Like it's it's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. My number one, Tom Cruise as Les Grossman from Tropic Thunder. And that reminded me of one of my, you know, honorable mentions again. Um, also Tom Cruise from the beginning of Austin Powers and Goldmember. <laughs> or, that was on my list for a while and I took it off for something else. Because it was, yeah, Tom Cruise, Danny DeVito. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. And um, Gwen. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, there were. Look at me. It's a mini me. Come get me. <laughs> Davido was so funny. Um, but so yeah, so that I no, I'll, I'll let yeah. Your number ten is a cameo, or your number one is a cameo yeah, for sure. I think I'm it's valid. Gonna, I'm not arguing that one. No, that's no, absolutely. I don't know if I knew it was Tom Cruise right away. Yeah. Uh, or maybe you had told me before I saw the movie. I don't know. That could be. I remember I went and saw Tropic Thunder. It was one of those instances. It was back when my uncle worked for a uh, radio uh, TV station. Mm-hmm. So he always got free passes to shit. So I remember I saw Tropic Thunder about two weeks before it came out. And I remember I may have come to school and told you, Tom Cruise cameos in this movie, and it is one of the best things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it was just something I knew people were, that was everything people were going to be talking about. I didn't coming recognize out. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, no, absolutely. Movie. Yeah, he was advertised, though. Tom yeah. Cruise wasn't, I mean, he may have been in the trailers, but they didn't say, you know, Tom Cruise in, you know, like they didn't put his name right out there. It was not only until the end credits. Right. You know, but it's so good. So, yeah, that is our top 10 movie cameos. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. I had fun putting this list together. It was something a little different. I had a lot of fun putting this one together, too. I I mean, I thought of ones that, like, movies I haven't seen in years, like The Goods and Mm -hmm. uh, 21 Jump Street. I, again, I haven't seen, but I can can remember those characters in, I can remember those cameos in the movies. Absolutely. I mean, something like The Goods, I'll probably never watch again. But if I think about that movie, that's the moment I think of. The dildo's coming back. Oh, the dildo's back, you know. So I think that makes a good cameo. Is it something that leaves a lasting impression on you? And I think all these cameos do, which that's why they're fun. Um, so as I say every week, if you could go and leave us a review on iTunes, that would be fantastic. Uh, oh, some news. So I know we announced we were going to do Halloween for our first, Halloween 2018 for our first movie commentary. Well, as Cody and I sat and thought about it, uh, we decided we're going to bump to do, uh, we're going to bump Halloween 2018. We're going to do that in October, which I think makes more sense. Yay, we're not doing uh, Halloween. But instead, uh, and we're just going to reveal this now so we can talk about it. Next week's episode, in honor of It Chapter 2, we're doing top 10 Stephen King films. And Cody has yet to see the first It movie from 2017. 
uh, chapter one, basically. So we are going to do that. And hopefully uh, we are going to record that sometime this week. So that will be out, uh, I would assume. Close to this episode coming out. uh, This one or sometime before it chapter two comes out on the sixth. Right. Uh, that we, we that way the, the our commentary is out. So if you wanted to watch it with that as you're prepping to see the the second one, you know. Um, but we figured it makes more sense to do that because Cody hasn't seen it and he he needs to see it to be able to do next week's list. Uh, so we'll bump Halloween. We'll do that in October for our big Halloween horror month, uh, which Cody is just dying to do. Oh, um, over and over <laughs> excited. Exactly, it's gonna be a fun month. But so look forward to that uh, in the next uh, couple weeks, a week and a half or so. So sometime in the next couple weeks, look for our it, uh, chapter one commentary. Um, but as I said every week, go share this uh, with someone this week. Share it with a coworker. Share it with a friend. Share it with a family member. Share it with a neighbor. Run up to them on the street and say, well, "Let's listen to this," and then just run away screaming madly because that will get their attention and they may say, "Oh, I should look that up because that guy's deranged. He might come back if I don't." Um, <laughs> head on to itunes and leave us a review uh it does help us uh we do have a facebook page get ranked movie podcast hop on over there we post stuff uh, movie news we talk about it you can get Um, links to links to all of our merchandise on the facebook page now oh cool uh yes so head on to our facebook page comment leave us what you tell us what you thought of our list this week let us know what what your list would be do you disagree do you agree let us know we like talking with our with our listeners um with our brute squad uh as we are now calling it um (laughs) Yes, you can head to our website, uh, GetRankedMoviePodcast.com. We have uh, the shows are on there. Uh, we also have our store on there. Go buy some merch. Help support the show and help show the world you like our show. Because I sure as hell like our show, and I wear the shirt all the time. Exactly. Um, that's right. So, Cody, where can people find you online? Um, you can find me online on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube as Marconi Mamba, and Facebook as Cody Ketchum. And you can find me on uh, Twitter as The Great Hair, or on Facebook as Nick Hair. And before we get out of here, Cody has some ads. I thought you forgot. <laughs> nope, I didn't. Okay. I changed it. Yeah. Something a little different. Get Ranked, a movie podcast, would not be possible without DigitalOcean. All of our episodes are hosted there. Our website is hosted there. You can get a $60 account credit by using the link at the top of our website or going to getrankedmoviepodcast.com slash DigitalOcean. Dynadot. Get your .com, .org, .net, .whatever. You can get a small account credit if you use the link at the top of GetRankedMoviePodcast.com or go to GetRankedMoviePodcast.com slash Dynadot. Blue Apron. Skip the store. Get fresh ingredients delivered straight to your home. Get $60 off your first three boxes when you use the link at GetRankedMoviePodcast.com or enter GetRankedMoviePodcast.com slash Blue Apron. Funko. Get 10% off your entire order when you use the link at GetRankedMoviePodcast.com or go to GetRankedMoviePodcast.com slash Funko and enter offer code SHOP10. Okay, so now that those ads are out of the way, once again, we want to thank everybody for tuning into this week's episode, Top 10 Movie Cameos. It was a lot of fun. So uh, for the Get Ranked Movie Podcast, I'm Nick. And I'm Cody. See you next time.
music and movie clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of the movies discussed and no infringement is intended. Get Ranked a Movie Podcast, Episode 30, Movie Cameos.